Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of Serious Issues. We are a weekly comic book podcast recorded live at King's Comics in Sydney. 310 Pitt Street. That's the address. That, uh, the voice you just heard is uh, Siobhan Coombs. Hello. And my name is Andrew Levins. Uh, strap yourselves in, guys. This is going to be possibly the longest episode we've ever recorded. Ah, we have I a, know. <laughs> That's a big call. <laughs> we have a record number of comics. Uh, this week, uh, 24 first issues, number ones. Uh, we have the, the deaths of superheroes. We have uh, the most jism we've ever talked about on uh, the show. Yeah. <laughs> a bit, a, Maximum. So, some good porno porno comic talking uh, coming up later in the show. Finally. And uh, more crossovers, like bizarre crossovers than yeah. we've ever experienced in one episode before too. So uh, before we get to all that, I want to talk about what I think far and away has been, has been the best comic to come out in the last week. And that is uh, the brand new graphic novel uh, out through Marvel, uh, Ryan North and Erica Henderson with uh, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl beats up the Marvel Universe. Nice. I didn't get to read all of this because of the aforementioned 24 uh, number one issues. Yeah, well. and and the rest that we read as well. But yeah. uh, I managed to do it all. I don't know how. Um, uh, I, I, That's, <laughs> that is like mind-bogglingly impressive, <laughs> I, uh, how busy you are. I... I I read I prioritized the unbeatable Squirrel Girls. This is a, this is an 80, 80 page, maybe even more page. Um, it's a completely new story, um, with the same creative team on the Squirrel Girl run that we've loved so much mm-hmm. uh, since we started this podcast. Uh, and it is both creators doing their absolute best work. Actually, this is Erica Henderson uh, for the first time coloring her work too, and it's so, really noticeable. So it's really fantastic. Um, I don't want to go too far into the story. We can talk about it again next week when you catch up for it. It's a, it's a dense read, but uh, and it's or, like from what I've read so far, it's already incredibly funny. It was a nice one because um, my boyfriend isn't super like usually into that sort of comic. He's a very like X Men and X Men only kind of bro. Sure, um, but he picked that up and begrudgingly read the entire thing and <laughs> laughed and pointed out a lot of jokes to me. So I'm I'm really excited. It's an insanely funny, intelligent comic. I mean, if you listen to this podcast in the hopes of us recommending you something new and great to read, uh, honestly, just stop listening now. You've got your comic yeah. of the week. Done. Uh, the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl beats up the Marvel Universe. We'll do an in-depth uh, review of it when uh, once Siobhan's finished it. But uh, 
look for for me this was everything I wanted out of this comic. We we you know even if you don't already read the the series, it it does a great job of setting up who all the characters are and why they're great, and it will just make you want to read every issue of the run that's come out before this. Absolutely. So yeah, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl beats up the Marvel Universe gets five out of five from me. Wow. And there was there was no point that I didn't like in this. Nice. Uh, it was really really great. It made me laugh heaps. Uh, also, um, another book that we really loved came out in trade this week. Um, Headlopper by Andrew McLean with uh, Mike Spicer and Colors. Um, is Mike Spicer in Colors or is he lettering on this? Uh, yep, Colors by Mike Spicer. Nice. Uh, Headlopper is an incredible story of uh, a Viking mm-hmm. uh, who um, lops the heads of, of monsters. It's very self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's uh, like really great, fun fantasy adventure stuff. It's funny. Um, the art is fantastic. Yeah, out of this world, good cartooning. Like some of the funniest sort of physical comedy in a comic, I think, in a really long time. So, yeah. I love it. And the story is quite compelling too. Uh, definitely pick up both of those books are like, you know, highly recommended from us. Absolutely. And the Headlopper, if you, if you bought all the singles like we did, uh, there's also a whole bunch of uh, incredible new material at the back of this book. Uh, not just pinups, but also new story stuff too, which is really great. Yep, so yeah, Headlopper awesome. and Squirrel Girl. Those are, those, are, those are my two favorite things that came out this week. But that said, there were still heaps of other great things that came out this week. Yeah. There are also heaps of brand new comics that... Uh, uh, are we gonna are we gonna add twenty four brand new comics to our already <laughs> way too full uh, comic lineup? Let's find out. First things first is a segment in which we review all the new number ones that came out this week. And as we mentioned at the start of the episode, there were twenty four a Oof. record new uh, w- number one amount. So we're gonna start things off with a Marvel. Marvel put out the most number ones this week. They put out one, two, three, four, five, six number ones. Oof. And uh, the biggest one is. Uh, uh, Death of X, which is written by Jeff Lemire and Charles Sewell, with art by uh, Aaron Cuda. Uh And uh, this is all about what went down in between Secret Wars and the uh, Marvel all-new, all-different continuity. Uh, oh, I didn't realize because that. Because Cyclops has been missed. Cyclops and Emma Frost are missing from from the X-Men books at the moment. And they've mentioned, like, oh, you know, oh, after what happened to Cyclops, after blah, 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 blah. Oh. And there's obviously a massive rift between um, the Inhumans and the X-Men because the Terrigen Mists are harmful to mutants. But oh God, this really does explain why X-Men books are so confusing yeah. at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so this is them revealing what happened in that time. And... Um, Again, like you know, we, we've complained in the past. I don't read the X Men books now because the biggest threat to them is this like pathetic, like wafting green cloud that they can't be exposed to. Yeah, which is like, like I mean, that is a scary concept, and that's something that could be done well, but it just hasn't been handled well in a way that feels to me, uh, like editorially influenced. So I don't think they know what to do with the X Men. Yeah. At the we're going to be spoiling a few little little key moments of this mm-hmm. book and other books that we're listening to. So the easiest thing to do if you don't want these books quite spoiled is just skip forward a minute or two. Mm-hmm. Like we said, there's a lot of comics to cover this week, so we can't talk too long on each of them. Mm. Um, but uh, they've already done the all the mutants get sick with like what was it like the legacy virus or yeah, something like that? Yeah, the legacy that? virus. And yeah, I'm pretty sure like the same some of the same mutants that die in this also died in the legacy virus oh, really? story too. <laughs> Great. And including like like one of my favorite mutants, Madrox. Yes. Um, who I think you know when he died in the eighties, I don't think he was that much of a beloved mutant. Obviously, mm. he's someone that can create, create multiple copies of himself. But after coming off the back of like you know Peter David's celebrated X Factor run, I almost felt like it was like the, the respect should be given to Madrox. Just leave him alone for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just kill him off. Yeah. And he he gets a whole bunch of gross boils and dies. Yeah, it's not a it's not a pretty death for old. Jamie Madrox. So this is a four-part series. The art in it by Aaron Kudo is is great. Yep, 
Um, the, uh, Nothing wrong with fine. that. Um, the story is uh, just this, you know, weird thing where you know why why do the why are the mutants still so hated by humanity when Inhumans seem to be winning over mm. humans so easily? And uh, you have the while 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 Cyclops leads a team of his uh, un- uncanny X Men to go find uh, find out what's happened on the island of Muir. What is it? Muir. Muir, I guess. Muir, yeah. <laughs> um, where uh, Madrox is. You know, there's words that you just you, you've read them a million times. You've never had to say them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he he leads a team and discovers that the Terrigen Mists are, are harmful to mutants and. Cyclops is one of the people who get, who are sick, and all, while that happens, um, the the uh, Inhumans discover um, new Inhumans in Japan as a Terrigen Mist cloud goes over there, and they kind of stop a Hydra bad guys. And it's one of those awesome ones where this seems like a problem that could be fixed by the X Men just going and talking to the Inhumans, yeah. and instead Cyclops is like, "They declared war." It's like, no, they didn't, because it's not like they intentionally were like, "Oh, we know this kills mutants." Therefore, chemical warfare against mutants because humans are way cooler. Well, I mean, they, they, he's, Cyclops seems to think that they knew that it would harm mutants. Cyclops is the crankiest baby. Well, don't worry, he's going to die. Good. by the end of this. This series. this like this comic makes me want the X Men to die, which is depressing because we love the X Men. Yeah, yeah. The X Men like the X Men are the best, and the, you know there are all these big theories, and maybe there is some truth to them that like. Marvel Comics now because Marvel Studios don't have access to use yeah. the X Men in in in, in them in their movies. They they're kind of going to try and mess up with with the X Men continuity and X Men mm. current comics and not focus on them and try and make Inhumans a thing. Yeah, I don't know if that theory has any weight to it. Maybe Marvel just like fucking with people in general. Yeah, maybe they've just stopped caring about the X Men. But all. don't fuck with people by making them shill out money for a, a bloated comic event that never really needed to exist. Like this is a four ninety nine comic. I know. This should have come out a year ago. Like, this is some confusing continuity. If that's really, if this is really supposed to be what's happened between a year ago and now, yeah. like, it's yeah. I can't think confusing. of an example of them going. We're going to tell you what went down in that period of time that that we've never told you about. Like the, you know how mm. how Peter Parker gave up his wedding vow story. Yeah, like that that shit sucked. Yeah, and I can't think of an example of that ever being like a compelling read. Yeah, fifty two. <laughs> Oh, so that was see. I read that after it was all out. Was yeah. that actually? Wasn't told? It, was, it was something like um, we you skipped a year, right? And then you went back and found out what happened. In yeah, the year right. Okay, sure. Okay, good. Yeah. All right, massive, yes. massive example. Fifty two is wonderful, example. and that had like five writers and the entire DC staff working on it. But for all our complaints, like this is the perfect example of a book that we're going to keep reading. Yeah. For every issue, just like Civil War 2. Just to find out what happens. Just to, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what, what it is. Like, you, you complain about these events, but you still read them. Yeah. And you always do. Anyway. Comics. Um, Champions number one uh, is uh, the first of the comics to exist in the post-Civil War 2 continuity. So-, <laughs> so we're about four months away from uh, Civil War 2, or three months away from Civil War 2 actually finishing. So Champions is going to be well ahead of the future. This happened um, before Secret Wars was finished last year. Yeah. Uh, Marvel just don't give one single fuck. They they certainly do not. Luckily, like, I mean, this doesn't give away that much about Civil War, I guess. Um, I mean, well, it looks like Miles Morales is fine. Yeah, after, yeah. <laughs> after seemingly killing Captain America, so he, so he that's all fine. I guess he doesn't I'm get sure. arrested. <laughs> so Champions is, uh, uh, I guess, what happens when a bunch of young, disenfranchised young superheroes. I said young twice because it's a very much a young book. Hey. Um, they become 
you know, that tired of the Avengers always solving things with violence. They want to help people. Uh, so it's, it's led by Ms. Marvel um, and Sam, what's his name? Nova, the young Nova. Young Nova. Who young Nova. And uh, Miles Morales, Superman, Spider-Man. God damn it. <laughs> uh, and then they quickly recruit um, uh, the totally awesome Hulk. Yep. AKA. And uh, Amadeus Cho. And then uh, he recruits his gaming partner, which is something mm. that we've never seen in the Vision series. But fine. Uh, Viv Vision. This also jumps a bit far forward in, like, because yeah, that Vision look, series has, what, one issue left? This is one of those books, and, like, if, if the first two reviews of this episode tell us anything, it's that sometimes you just need to, like, let continuity go and just go, you know what, this isn't going to make sense, and that's fine. But I get why you would, uh, you know... No matter what happens with the event, you need to put your new your new comics out. But like the vision by Tom King yeah. and Gabrielle Walter, that hasn't been delayed once. That's I been know. running the schedule. They knew when it was going to end. Yeah. Why would you put out a comic starring a character that you're not sure if she's going to live or die by the end of the vision? Obviously, yeah. she's going to live. There's some poor... And also, the vision, I guess, doesn't go to jail and still has his house. And I guess Amadeus Cho is like fine after Civil War Two, yeah. even though it's got to be assumed that he is the Hulk at the end of that. Like, yeah, yes. All of these issues. Yeah. <laughs> that said, look, it's, it's written by Mark Wade, art by Humberto Ramos. Which is the same team that worked on books like um, Impulse and Young Justice, so some early, late 90s, early 2000s DC stuff that I am especially emotionally attached to. So that I was dealt very, with a lot very of young characters. Yeah, they dealt with a lot of young characters, and Mark Wade, we know, is good and has experience at writing teens in a way that is believable, as seen in Archie. Um, again, Humberto Ramos' art is fantastic. It's a new inker that I've not seen ink in before, uh, Victor Olazaba. Okay. And I wasn't crazy about the inks on some of the pages. It's a little, little bit washed, washed out. Yeah, kind of. the colors could have been strong, but I think they were supposed to be flashbacks, which might be why. Yep. Um, it's not like, I mean, I think Humberto, Humberto Ramos is the best ever for Spider-Man. Yep. That's what like that's the book that he's meant to be on. This is still good, but it's not quite um, as dynamic as his Spider-Man stuff, maybe. Yeah, I mean, he's got to balance a lot of characters and push through this kind of not fantastic story. Yeah, look, I mean, the getting the band together arc is based around a, like, sex trafficking story, yeah. which is kind of... Uh, I mean, not that you should shy away from big issues in superhero comics, but it's a bit... Like, that's a pretty heavy thing to do for the first outing of like a teen book like this should be an all-ages comic you could have gone for something a little bit lighter mark wade but or, or just not as handled it as uh full-on as they handle it in yeah. this. Like, oh, that, that was very unexpected yeah yeah absolutely uh, you have someone dressed as a clown who's holding a bunch of girls in their underwear yeah. in like a shipping crate and then when he gets caught he like he flicks a button and then the the, the shipping crate plummets into the ocean yeah with all the girls inside of it so just your average, light-hearted teen superhero book. <laughs> um, we see Cyclops, young Cyclops, on the front cover of this. Uh, I know we just said that Cyclops is going to die, but there's currently a young Cyclops in the Marvel comics at the moment. Uh, apparently, he joins the team at one point. Uh, we don't see him. We see a bunch of young superheroes that are potentially hearing the call out, including the new Wasp, uh, Moon Girl, Moon and, Girl, and Falcon, um, and also the. Um, the new Riri Williams, the new um, the new potential Iron Man, Iron, Man. Iron uh, Heart or whatever her name is going to be. Uh, so yeah, I, I, and Cyclops is there too. So I, I don't know if if, if they're all going to join or there's mm. going to be like some fun tryout periods. Those are always my favorite. Oh my god, um, I know books where like superheroes. Try- I mean, I just going back to the we always reference it, but Grant Morrison's JLA run when they yep. they invite a bunch of like you know fledging superheroes to come and try it over the JLA. I love mm-hmm. that issue. Yeah, absolutely. And, Any and- Teen Titans issue that deals with that. Any Legion of Superhero. Yeah. Um, book that deals with that i'm super into all the time 
So yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I, we're still going to read a couple issues of this. Um, yeah, first issues for these kind of things where there's that many characters are always kind of hard. But um, it didn't it didn't blow me away in the way that I wanted to be. Uh, Mark Wade loves using social media. Loves in it. His books now. Uh, the uh, the they get the name champions because they mention the word champions and then everyone uses it as the hashtag mm. champions when they're ra- so really, raving about the team. So it should be called hashtag champions. <laughs> no. Oh God. <laughs> uh, so that's champions number one. Uh, we've also got two uh, new books featuring characters that you can see on Marvel shows on Netflix at the moment. One of them is pretty similar to uh, the Netflix show that we watched recently. Mm-hmm. One of them is not like it at all. Yay! And that book is Cage, written by uh, written and drawn by Jendi Tartakovsky, who is a Russian animator mm-hmm. responsible for Dexter's Laboratory, Laboratory uh, Samurai Jack, mm-hmm. and uh, Powerpuff Girls. There are countless others too. He's done a lot of stuff. This is something that was like announced years ago. Yeah, I think and like more than a decade. In, yeah, has been in production for ages and is so worth the wait, I feel. Sure. Um, you definitely have to uh, go in this knowing that you are reading like a all ages take on black exploitation. Yeah, which I think is cool. Yeah, and it's set in like it's set in the seventies. It's full on like Tiara era Power Man, which is always good fun. I think. Except he calls himself Cage. Except he calls himself Cage. Yes. Uh, and uh, you know, does he say, does he say Sweet Christmas in this? I don't think he does. Maybe. He doesn't say it enough. Um, he should say it every panel yeah, in, really. in, in a book like this. Uh, the art very much looks like it's done by the guy who created Dexter's Laboratory. Which if you like... Which you is seem totally to be, I feel like you're saying that like it's a bad thing. No, no, I no. I love no. it. It's so I, like... I think the art was my far and away yeah. the best thing about this. I mean, I read it very, very quickly. Yeah. And it's, you know, funny to me that something that took a, a year, a tech, you know, a decade to come out for me to just burn through it in two minutes. But it is like, it is a, it is a quick read and it's very, I think it's quick because it is mostly visual like there's not a lot of um dialogue or text in it it's just a really dynamic crazy superhero book i loved it i thought it was great yeah i I just like seeing it's nice to see something um different something self-contained if you like the character it's something cool for you to check out i like this um cyclops yeah he draws like the coolest cyclops for no reason it's the best so good um (laughs) yeah i thought there was a lot to really really enjoy about this book and uh yeah then he he faces a a big team of his like classic superheroes so super villains at the very end very different version of black mama black mariah from um from the tv show yeah um i i can see people you know that that are watching the show or even that are reading power man and iron fierce picking this up and being like what the hell is this yeah totally but uh, no, i I definitely enjoyed the the, uh, goofy almost ren and stimpy ish kind of uh, visuals on it and I think you know this would work really really well as a cartoon as well absolutely um, that we're going to review another book later on that I don't think works well as a comic at all um, oh, but, yeah. but I think I would have liked if it was just a cartoon I'm so interested to find out what that is it wasn't Jessica Jones number one um, hey so this, this is-, is Bendis returning to the character he created mm-hmm. um, with art by Michael Gatos and uh, colors, colors by-, by Matt Hollingsworth did you like the original Jessica Jones Marvel Actually, Max run. I've never read it. I've really? heard it recommended to me by many, many people. It starts out fantastic. I'm, yeah. I'm not crazy about the end. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's great. And, and at the time, it was unlike anything that had ever come Absolutely. out, especially for Marvel. This is a confusing one because last time we saw Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and in like every other book, things are great with them. Yeah. So <laughs> and I, this is set in a... I, I don't know, like, if you're looking for continuity in this, you're going to be confused because I don't know what I this think is it's supposed set, to be set. I think it's set now. 
Okay. Which uh, so that, that basically, like you know, the, the character of Jessica Jones that we see in comics at the moment is wildly different to the character as we were introduced to her in the Marvel Max run. Yeah. Um, and it was baffling that she was even made to be part of regular Marvel continuity because she, you know she was a foul, foul-mouthed Gritty. alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, they managed to kind of you know clean her up a little bit. She still had that edge to her, but mostly she just kind of. She she and Luke Cage are in a in a relationship yeah, and, and they was... have a kid and that was kind of you know Jessica Jones kind of became this smart ass mother that told mm. Cage to stop fighting yeah um, and that's kind of all she's been for the last ten years yeah I mean, absolutely. it's an exaggeration somewhat but this this kind of has her it looks as if she looks and acts as if she's in the comic that Bendis wrote ten years ago yeah um, but all the while she's being so basically, like this is her kind of going back to alias investigations and trying to uh, help people uh, find other people, as, as she was doing when she was a, a is she a de- detective? Private investigator. A private investigator. That's the one. Um, and uh, the entire time she's being first, she gets uh, tracked down by Misty Knight, and um, then she gets tracked down by Jessica Drew, and they're asking, "Where's the baby? Where's the baby?" And finally, we learn that. Well, we don't really learn. We see Luke Cage show up at the end and says, where is our baby? Where's our daughter? Yeah, so this is some kind of... It's cool to see her getting a little bit more of a sort of three-dimensional interpretation of it, but it's slightly heartbreaking when in Power Man and Iron Fist two issues ago, they're like, best ever, doing great, best ever couple, and then all of a sudden she's disappeared with their daughter for some reason. So I'm hoping, because the entire time I, I was reading this going, oh no, oh no, because I love that their their relationship yeah. and I love that they have a daughter. Yep. I'm a big old sappy dad and Absolutely. I love seeing uh, other parents love in seeing, comics. Love seeing family. And uh, I don't want Marvel to lose that. I hate it when they you know they remove a marriage or they remove yeah. a kid or a family. And I don't want it to just be like, it's nice sometimes seeing, like I love... Um, Big Barter and Mr. Miracle because they're not they're never gonna break up. You know what I mean? They're also and it's never nice. gonna show up in comics anymore. But I know it sucks <laughs> until I get my way. Um, but, but you I know, think- like it's it's depressing to have like a relationship or something like this just thrown under the bus just for the sake well, of like. Before we jump to that conclusion, or- I think this is Bendis pulling a, a, a swift on a over swifty, her head. You I think. Well, I mean, because you know, a great deal of. Of uh, Jessica Jones' uh, comic and show, mm-hmm. um, Alias is what the comic was called when it was originally started, um, is uh, she deals with being under the mind control of Purple Man. Uh. And I think this is, I, I feel like she actually has no idea that she even has a daughter in this comic because she doesn't make reference to any of the things. Mm. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I, I reckon she's been brainwashed. Maybe. In the conversation with, um, I don't know, it seems like from the conversation she has with Spider Woman. She sort of says, like, stay out of our shit and, like, oh, do you have a baby? Does that make us part of a special club? So I think she hasn't forgotten that she has a baby. But, oh, man, some of the dialogue. Bendis, for Christ's sake. Sorry, I just turned the page and saw the... Um, <laughs> bitch of, cakes? Yeah, when she calls it bitch cakes. God damn it, Bendis. Yeah, it's worse no than one, No one's ever said bitch cakes, <laughs> although now I shall. Don't trust the bitch cakes in apartment, whatever. What was, yeah. what was the goal of Jessica Jones' show? Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, so look, a pretty rough rough start for all these new Marvel number ones. And I, and I ended reading comics this week going like, oh man, I think I, I'm, I'm becoming a bit more back over to like preferring well, reading DC stuff. 
I'll say. Um, we've got a couple more Marvel comics to get to before we uh, reach that conclusion completely. Um, but I'm going to yeah, end my Jessica Jones review by saying I think Bendis is is, uh, is tricking us into thinking that everything's turned to shit because I think even he wouldn't ruin he loves that, that family. Couple. He, he loves that, that That's couple. one of his great creations at Marvel. Yeah. Um, yep. yep. True. Well, we'll see. And I don't want to read the, the divorce of Jessica Jones no, and Luke Cage. Sucks. And also, positive notes about this comic. The art is incredible. Gatos is great. Great, great facial um, characterization work. Mm, absolutely. And you've got a David Mack cover as well. Beautiful. Classic old Bendis. Great club. colors too. Uh, Marvel also put out a book this week called Enchanted Tiki Room. Um, this is another one of their Disney Kingdoms titles. So like the um, Haunted House and... Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion, yeah. Jeez, you know what I mean. And there was the, you know the big I mean. Thunder Mountain as well they did. Yeah. Um, so the, in theory, this should be like super appealing to me because I love Disneyland. In fact, the last episode of my... Uh, of my other podcast, Hey Fam, mm-hmm. is all about Disneyland and cool. uh, the various experiences we've had at the Disneylands that we've been to in our lifetime. Mm. Uh, I've never been to Disneyland in California, and that it's is the only place where the Enchanted Tiki Room is. Oh. And so uh, Marvel have been releasing these comics based on Disney attractions. Mm-hmm. This is the newest one. The Tiki Room is a, is a room. It's like this animatronic kind of place where the, t- the flowers talk and the birds talk and it's tiki and stuff. Uh, I, this was... Like a attempt at like a goofy comedy comic that I just think was very lost on me. I I, I stopped reading when there were um, birds talking in really broad, crappy yeah. accents. Yeah, it's sort of just one of those ones that like it has a bunch of uh, sort of almost short stories tied together by a vague conceit about all these people visiting the island. It is fine if you are really desperate for an all-ages comic and for some reason you don't want squirrel girl or any of the other much much better all-ages comics available we're gonna review for you Goldie at the Vance moment later on too. yeah then please by all means pick this up yeah i don't know who this is for no me neither <laughs> uh deadpool back in black is the final uh comic uh i know who this is for this Old for, people who love Deadpool. This is for Deadpool fans. <laughs> this is uh, written by Cullen Barn. Deadpool had a DP on his chest for long? Uh, is that a real thing? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Does he have DP written on his chest? He has, he oh, yeah. curious of this. Yeah, right. Uh, Salva bad. Espen is the, uh, is the artist on this one. Uh, and this is uh, basically, again, another fill the gap story um, because yeah. there was a comic that came out last year during Secret Wars, which is called De- Deadpool Super Secret Secret Wars. And uh, it was a tie-in to the 80s Secret Wars in which oh, yeah, he yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah, was yeah. behind the scenes during that entire event, apparently. And, like and at one point, um, he, he came into contact with the symbiote, which we all know becomes Venom. Mm-hmm. And this is a story of the, of the symbiote leaving Spider-Man and finding Deadpool and they have adventures, but it's told in... A, well, it's, it's meant to be extremely 80s, and so there's like little little jokes at the bottom of each uh, panel, uh, bottom of each page kind of telling you to read other comics as they used to do, and none of these mm. comics actually exist, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I mean, this is just a story that I, I doesn't really appeal to me. No, yeah, it was like... It was the least funny... Like, there just seemed to be a relatively small number of jokes for a Deadpool comic, you know? Yes, like totally it wasn't agree. not funny, like the jokes like the little references at the bottom were okay, but yeah, not it didn't seem like it was intentionally trying to make Deadpool funny in a really weird way. Yeah, well, I mean so we, we just, like Colin Bond, he's not he's not a bad writer. No, he's absolutely just not. Ad- adequate for the situation and no yeah. more than that. Yeah. And if you if you if the idea of a Deadpool with a Venom symbiote suit appeals to you, I'm sure he nailed it for you. But yeah, yeah. absolutely. But he, he doesn't do anything more than that to bring someone that, that that situation doesn't immediately appeal to to uh to reel them in. 
Yeah, agreed. So I will not be reading uh, any more issues of this one. Neither. Or Enchanted Tiki Room. But I will be reading Jessica Jones to see what happens. Cage. Yes. Champions. And uh, unfortunately for people that hate us complaining about books all the time, Death of X. (laughs) Over to DC now, Midnighter and Apollo. Um, Written by Steve Orlando. Um, who wrote the Midnighter run, which I loved um, yep. over the last couple of years over at DC. Um, when the Rebirth stuff was announced, there was no sign of Midnighter after his title ended, and I was pretty bummed out. But here we have a six-issue miniseries featuring Midnighter and his boyfriend Apollo, who we first uh, saw in The the Authority Thank over goodness. at Wildstorm. They're back together. A decade, decade ago? Yeah, but I mean... The, how excited... The sorry. road to them getting back together in the Midnight book is awesome. Yeah, Midnight I've heard book that. Is great, yeah. um, how excited is everyone... About um, Warren Ellis bringing back Wildstorm. Wildstorm. Yeah, that's people are awesome. losing their minds about it in a way that I wasn't expecting. But that's really cool because of, like, that's one of the true casualties of New Fifty Two is that they just yeah. fucked up the Wildstorm yeah, imprint absolutely. and just try to incorporate it. Like they shouldn't exist in the same same realm. Yeah, agreed. Make it different because like so many of the Wildstorm characters are just analogies of DC characters. Yeah, exactly. Like so. Midnighter is a gay Batman. Yeah, with lots of crazy technology. Yeah. Um. So this is a. Uh, on one part, a cool action comic, and then another part, like a relationship comic. You know, we were talking earlier about yeah. su- superheroes in relationships, mm-hmm. and uh, and and you know, Apollo is a seemingly unharmable Superman kind of mm-hmm. character who dates uh, Batman with a computer in his head that can work out how fights are going to go out seconds mm-hmm. before they actually go out. Uh, he has like he's a, his his big bad guy is Bendix, who kind of put. Put the technology in his head to begin with. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this comic. I was confused. By I it totally understand that because I don't know that much about Midnighter and Apollo, mm-hmm. and it's not. I was hoping that this would be a really good jumping-on point because they're characters that I want to understand, no. but it's not a good jumping-on point, yep. which disappointed me because there was a lot of cool stuff, cool DCU stuff that I was like, ooh, because they brought in. Um, they have a scene in the Oblivion bar where someone unnamed is sort of recruiting various, like, really D-list magic users from the DC universe, including Extraño from Faust. um from that Guardians book that I was talking about the other week. Oh, really? But yeah, and like people like <laughs> Alakazum and Faust and um, Black Briar Thorn and all these bizarre characters. Um, oh, it's Bendix, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Bendix is doing. Yeah. It. See, yeah. I was very. Yeah. And then we also have a little cameo no, from our, the, the gorilla with the brain. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a tiny cameo from the brain of Mosumala, which if you're going to have a cameo, you might as well make it a proper one. Um, I really like this book because it feels like it doesn't really exist in any continuity, just kind of just taking what he likes yeah, about the DC universe and having Midnighter and Apollo in it. Yeah. But I totally get it. If you don't know much about either character, this is going to be a pretty confusing read. Yeah. Like, I, I wanted to like this much more than I did. Um, I think all you would need to do to catch up on it is just read the Midnighter run. Yeah. It's 15 issues. You can do it. Uh, <laughs> I have so much to read. I know. I get it. Um, all right. On to a book. I mean, I'm going to continue. I'll read all six issues of this miniseries because I really, after reading um, a few of other Steve Orlando's other things over at DC recently, I was like, oh, you know, was he flash in the pan kind of guy? Mm. I, I really like him on Midnighter. I don't love his Supergirl stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, we're going to be talking about his uh, Batman and the Monster Men stuff later in the episode too. Cool. Dead Man, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love. DC have yes. uh, brought back Please. the beloved, uh, what's it called? Prestige format. I love these. I I have so many of these um, slightly thicker 
bound, bound yeah. um, issues, especially when they were reprinting some rarer stuff. Um, right. From, I, for yeah, me, they're so all more, all the Elseworlds stuff. Yes, yes, yes. I bought so much of the Elseworlds stuff. And they did some good reprints of like Impulse and Young Justice in this format as well, which was cool for me and other nerds. <laughs> um, so uh, this has been written by uh, a creative team that I'm not aware of at all, Sarah yeah, Vaughan. Um, has written it and it's been beautifully illustrated by uh, Lan Medina with colors by Jose Villarubia. Beautiful. Um, and uh, this is just a straight up romance book. This is just a straight up gothic horror romance. Yes, thank you, DC. Yeah. Oh my God, I loved this so much. I read, I read, a, this, also, I read this knowing how much you, were, you, would, yeah. you would love it. <laughs> a... How nice is um, reading a comic with no ads in it? At all. This was, yeah, had, yeah. This was like a, it's a premium, DC comic with no ads in it. Premium price. Huge. $5.99. That's what, that's what it costs to have no ads. Yeah. Amazing. Um, Worth it, guys. Um, so this is about... Um, oh, man. And this is like... This is a brilliant book on a number of levels. This is an incredibly <laughs> diverse read. Like, really subtly, really... Really subtly diverse. Well Absolutely. done. Yeah, well yeah, really, done. Really, 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 really um, the, it's about um, two sort of antique... Um, people who work in the antiques trade, one Good of whom friends. has moved into a um, sort of mansion with her boyfriend, seems who, like. Who is who has uh, decided to write his novel in a, in a mansion that was donated to him by a, a dead relative, which is Already. always a great idea. Always a great idea. Um, <laughs> it's and never, never not worked out in the, in the writer's favour. And his girlfriend has had some strange experiences in the past with seeing what seemed to be ghosts. Yep. And she's had some sort of uh, bad experiences involved in that. So she tends to pretend that she can't see them anymore. And so she's our main character, not Dead Man. But yes. she encounters Dead Man a few times throughout this book. And Dead Man is the um, classic DC character who Boston was Brand. Boston Brand, who was a um, trapeze, artist. trapeze artist and was shot and now can... Um, uh, Take over people's bodies. Yes, thank you for finishing all those sentences for me. <laughs> hey, we're a great duo. <laughs> um... And this is this is so brilliant. I love this so much. This is such a different book from DC, and it's something that I feel like they used to do a lot in the past and that we haven't got as much of um, in the last couple of years, and it's so brilliant. The illustrations are beautiful, and unlike anything else, the characters are so far really compelling. It's a good version of Boston Brand. I love that they have a character who sort of uh, rejects traditional gender norms for, like, just... For no reason, it's not a part of the story. It's not anything. Wait, but for just, no reason to the uses, story, but for yeah, her yeah, own yeah, like, reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, she um, yeah. so she just like the character uses um, general pronouns as opposed to him or her. Um, great, great. Wait, like, good job just slipping that into the story for. And then you, you have know? Boston Brand fumbling with it, but in a nice yeah, yeah, way. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed this, and uh, like, it's unlike anything DC has done Absolutely. in a long time. And the watercolors are beautiful. Yeah, like you know, Marvel write those romance novels sometimes. Yeah, but um, I don't like them. They're no, they're no good. Um, and uh, you know, we, we've we we both appreciate in some way Hellcat, which is hmm. a lot more of a romance style um, book than it is a, an action comic. comic. But uh, this is a straight up just romance comic. Yep, absolutely. Featuring one one slightly obscure, not not as used as he should be, DC mm-hmm. character. Have you had a favorite Dead Man run? Oh no, that's too obscure. Do you? <laughs> I don't know. I, kinda, I, I really liked him in Black Blackest Night and then in Brightest Day. Yeah. Even though Brightest Day was a slog to get through, he's used quite well in it. Yeah, absolutely. I in fact, hey, there's, there's a Brightest Day poster on the wall here. At a that's how that's King's how Comics. contemporary and relevant we are at DC. <laughs> at uh, King's Eight-year-old events <laughs> take take prime position on, on the walls out here. 
Hey, uh, what did you read? Death of Hawkman. I did read Death of Hawkman. Um, we was brought up fifty two earlier in the episode. This felt a lot like fifty two. Mm, really? Um, well, I mean, in that uh, Adam Strange again, another seldom used uh, DC character, but was, characters who go together a lot. Hawkman and Adam Strange. Well, because they both live on the planet Ran. Yeah. Um, this is written by Mark Andreco and uh, penciled by Aaron Lepresti, inked by Livesay, and coloured by Blonde. Cool. Who are uh, the breakdancer? No, the uh, Frank Ocean album. This. Uh. <laughs> um, I made that joke while you weren't here. <laughs> on my, while I was doing an hour-long uh, episode by myself, and uh, and said, "Hey, if you appreci- if you if you want to give me a pity laugh, tweet me." And a few people did. So thank nice. you to those people. <laughs> Love pity laughs. Um, so this is a six-part miniseries that no one saw coming. I don't, I don't know if anyone wanted it. It's called Death of Hawkman. Um, so while. Uh, <laughs> Was while, he alive? While Marvel, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, again, like you know, Marvel haven't been using Cyclops, and then we're going to find out how he died in Death of X. It looks like DC are doing the same thing with Hawkman. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is entirely told from the point of view of Adam Strange, who is a character who uh, always who, who who grew up on Earth, then is given these cool space powers, but when he's on Earth, he's a regular schlub. Yeah, and he can only travel to um, Ran via sort of portals that he has no control over. So he just has to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, get in the portal and then go to um, Ran, where he is a superhero with a really hot wife. Nice job, Adam Strange. <laughs> nice job sometimes, Adam Strange. Yeah, 50 <laughs> uh, So without, you know, giving away too much of the story, uh, eventually he has problems getting transported to Ran, and when he finally gets there, Ran is in destruction, and that's how we uh, leave this story. Uh, it looks like we're going to see Hawkman die at some point, so look forward to that, everybody. The only, my favourite Hawkman story was in um, Jeff John's Justice League run where he and Hawker had to make out to save the universe. <laughs> and then they did and they saved the universe. That was pretty good. Great. Uh, I'm going to keep reading this. So yeah, you? I'll read the next issue. Why not? It's got, um, who's that guy with the three eyes who's not Trigon? Who's that guy? I don't know. Tri-Igon. Jim? Igon. Is you know it Igon? Who's that guy? DC Jim villain? doesn't know. Big purple guy. Well, big, okay. big, yeah, I thought I, Jim, Jim has failed me. Uh, Disappointing. Disappointing. So while Death of Hawkman caught me by surprise and actually ended up being a decent comic, uh, He-Man Thund- and Thundercats. Uh, <laughs> I didn't read that. Ah, you didn't read this one. <laughs> Lazy. Jeez well, Louise. to be honest, if um, Scott at Kings, who is a huge um, He-Man and Thundercats fan, if even he didn't read it, I wasn't going to take my chances. So for one on this, the artwork is like a painted kind of illustrated vibe and I didn't, wasn't wild about that to begin it's with. It's a bit confusing. Um, like a painted illustrated vibe works really well in something like the Dead Man book, which mm. is pretty painted. But in something that's fairly action-based, I always find it confusing. Like yeah. I even find um, Alex Ross painted interiors confusing to read. Yeah. Look, I'm not a massive fan of Thundercats or He-Man, so I was never going to love this. And I think we just leave it as that. Nice. <laughs> I'm not going to continue reading this Not book. for you. Uh, finally, from DC, we have Shade, The Changing Girl, which is the second book from DC's new Young Animal imprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's written by Cecil Castellucci with art by Molly Zarconi. You did so and well on the harder name. And thank then terribly you. On the yeah. One. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do a great job. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick also. I really loved this book a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, just like um, the Doom Patrol number one that came out a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I like the art more than the story. I love the art in this. It reminds me of Dan Klaus. Yes. Um, which is always awesome. Um, but uh, I definitely liked the story in that it was way easier to follow than uh, I did of, of uh, Doom Patrol number mm-hmm. one. Um, so this is about a uh, a girl, an awful teenage girl who nobody likes, mm. who who, uh, who drowns, 
um, and goes into a comatose state. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point she wakes up, but then we learn that she was woken up because her body has been possessed by an alien who wishes to be free. Yes. Like an alien from a crazy, like, madness planet who puts on the coat of um, their the greatest of hero, yeah. oh, right. Shade, um, who was like a poet. Shade the Changing Man. And went to Earth and then wrote all these poems about Earth and all this kind of stuff. And so we see these two weird aliens, like, doing it and then talking about stuff. And then In the, an art gallery. In an art gallery. Or a museum or something. And one yeah. of them's got, like, a sort of bird's beak and claws and all this stuff. And the other's, like, this weird potato man i love this i love this so much i thought this was brilliant because i had no idea what was going on um i did through most of it but then like about halfway through it kind of clicks and you understand i just thought i just thought it was so creative and so different to everything else and the um the fact that we're sort of thrust into this girl's life and she's dealing with the fallout of all of the horrible shit that she did before she went into a coma and we don't know how she ended up in the coma. Oh, we sort of oh, do. No, we she do. overdosed. She took five pills and then fell asleep in the pool. Yeah, fell asleep in a lake. Nice job. <laughs> um, and, you know, like her parents don't want her to wake up. All of her sort of friends on her swim team don't want her to wake up. And so this like alien character is going to have to be dealing with all of this high school nonsense while also trying to hang on to her sanity because um, of the madness powers that come from the shade changing coat. Yeah, I, yeah. I, just thought, really I just thought this was totally brilliant. I think it's one of the most honest portrayals of teenagers that we've seen in a comic, especially in a mainstream DC comic. So to see characters who are, you know, allegedly like 15 doing drugs and drinking and having sex and stuff is pretty is pretty bonkers. Um, I love the mystery of this. I love the... Colours. I love the colours. I love the madness powers. Like already that's sort of coming out in bizarre ways and... Oh man, yeah. pick and up this book, guys! Definitely. And before she died, this teenager, like the, the, her parents, describe her as taking them hostage. Yeah, which is uh, so we're getting. Good. Yeah, it's it's almost like she is the own like she's the villain of her own book, which yeah. is pretty genius. Except I think. That she's not. She's not actually. Her. She's not her anymore. She's an alien from across the galaxy. It's crazy, guys! Pick it up. The book ends with a uh, out of nowhere um, backup mm. by uh, Gilbert Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Uh, ri- or sorry, it was written with I think with his daughter Natalia Hernandez. And they uh, wrote and drew this together. Um, and uh, it's a fun space space ranger comic. Yeah. About a, a guy called Krill trying to find a guy called Gooby. That's <laughs> exactly what it is. And it's very, very good. <laughs> and we can talk about Gilbert Hernandez. A very, very different comic that he put out later in the yeah. episode. Weird week for... Hernandez fans. <laughs> um, all right. We've got a couple of brand new... Im- four brand new image number ones. Um, Step yourselves in, guys. We're still. We're, I think we're not even halfway through the number ones yet. Just <clears throat> Max Landis, who we uh, said great things about, um, he's a Superman American Son run for DC earlier in the year. You might also know him because he wrote the um, film Chronicle, yep. which I quite enjoyed, um, and uh, has done a lot of rants and raves about other spec scripts that he's been involved with over the first years. He's, he's a polarizing character, to yeah. say the least. Um, but this is uh, his first uh, big creator-owned comic that's coming out through the Image Skybound imprint mm-hmm. uh, with art on this one by Giuseppe Comancoli. Um And uh, it is... It's unfortunate that this has come out at the same time as... Lake of Fire. Lake of Fire, yeah. the other sort of um, swords and sorcery-esque um, image book. But this almost like I kind of I feel like it. It's on one hand, it's it's a you know a classic swords swords and soldiers kind of romp mm. where there are like you know warring kingdoms 
and, yeah, and, uh, and a band of knights. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, you, it feels friendship. a little bit like Princess Bride or Robin Hood that yeah. kind of vibe, and it definitely has some of those that eighties you know quippy dialogue. Yeah, in it, it feels quite forced. Um, yes, that, that element. But I kind of you know I was reading, I was like, yeah, this is pretty fun, fun hmm. enough. And then everything turns to absolute shit. Yes, and these are uh, like seemingly, uh, you know. Embarrassed trolls that they that they take on at the beginning of the of the book come back to destroy their kingdom, mm. including the main characters or one of the main characters to be wife. Yes. So this this main character has gone like, you know what? It's time for me to leave our merry band because I'm going to go get married with my cool wife. Um, and then wakes up to the, her being like shot with an arrow. Shot with an arrow, and we see it's quite savagely burned and about to die. Yeah, and it's sort of like. I like I understand wanting to have like a tragedy in the hero's life to push motion forward. We all are familiar with that. It happens in fucking everything. And it's always it's, and it, it's always the wife that dies. It's always exactly. the girlfriend that dies. Exactly. And it's a little dies. bit like there's a term in comics which was um coined by Gail Simone, I believe, called women in refrigerators, which refers to the time that Carl Rayner, Carl Rayner's girlfriend was savagely murdered and stuck in a refrigerator to like, motivate um, Carl Rayner in whatever mission he was on. Yeah. And this is like, it, it is like, I was very disappointed to see that at the end of this book because I, I have enjoyed Max Landis's comics. I think that he does write good dialogue and he writes compelling stories and he understands the character of Superman really, really well. But it is, it's just disheartening to, for that to happen again. Yeah, and also it's boring. It's boring, yes. Like, we've also seen it. Like, like it's been done. Yeah. And then in the back, like, in, yeah, like, even in the um, the bit that he, the essay that he writes at the end, or, like, the sort of thing that he writes to be like, hey, guys, welcome to this great journey with us. He was like, oh, this all started because of this image I had in my mind of this guy cradling his dead wife. And I, like, as if that's a, a different or iconic image, because we've seen it a million times. That could have happened in literally anything, man. Yeah. And also... Do something, just do something new. Do anything else. Have him be motivated by literally anything or, else. Or have, have all him the, die. Exactly. Have all the knights die. And then her, his 2B wife has to put together her own like, band yeah, of way merry, cooler. merry people to, to go and take on these trolls. That's a yeah. way more interesting story. Absolutely. And yeah, so... When the town's, you know, saviors are gone, who will save the town? Yeah. It's disappointing because I expect Max Landis to do something different on the back he of takes how pride good, in that. Like, yeah, on the back of his Superman um, run, which was, you know, extremely creative in, like, each issue was told in a different way, everything was structured really brilliantly, and this just felt mad lazy. Yeah, so look, uh, this is the first issue. I'm going to give it a chance. I'll give it another issue. But it feels like like Mark Millar at his worst in parts of this. Yes, agreed. Yeah, yeah, cool. So that's Green Valley number one. But the art's really beautiful. The art, yeah, art's fantastic in this. Yeah. The colors are really nice. Um, Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Risso uh, yep. teamed up famously years and years ago for a great run on Vertigo called 100 Bullets. Mm-hmm. They have teamed up uh, for other comics since then, but this is, seems to be their first long ongoing series mm-hmm. since 100 Bullets. Uh, it's called Moonshine. It's out now through Image, and it is uh, set in... West uh, Virginia. West Virginia in, uh, in the 20s. Yep. And uh, as, the, as the title suggests, it's all about moonshine during Prohibition. Yeah, people brewing their own own booths in mm-hmm. their backyards in the South. Um, or is West Virginia? It kind of is the South. It's not really. Yeah, I don't really know. Um, not that good a good geography. It's just beneath 
the it's on the east coast kind okay. of no one no one is checking up on this no yeah, one's got no. their, their their maps out going, Levin's is getting it wrong again uh but we have um someone who works for the mob um sent to east virginia to um sorry west virginia to track down someone who's been making particularly good hooch nice. in his background in his backyard and uh, he, he refers to the area that he's going to as the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, the, the mob boss is crazy, but the guy who, who makes his own hooch is even crazier. And so is everybody in this godforsaken town that he's, that he's trapped in trying to basically, you know, get, 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 uh, get the guy who makes the hooch to uh, sign on to create the hooch for his boss. Yeah, and there's, there's to New York. hillbillies, what looks like some inbreeding. There's some, you know, like it's everything that you kind of... <laughs> expect from a book like this yeah. um, from the cover and the concept but it was it was good I mean I think it was good mostly down to how good Eduardo Rizzo is absolutely this is like and Azarello excels at creating characters that you hate 75% of the time mm. but then 25% where you like them you really like yeah. them and so these like despicable creatures that have this small amount of remorse mm. uh and it looks like what that's what looks like what our main character in this is going to be like. Yeah, I'm I'm on board. Oh, I'm very I'm cool. very on board with this. And again, even just to see new Eduardo Riso art every month, that's uh, that's Absolutely. enough reason to pick this up. Yeah, get on board with this one. Moonshine by Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Riso. Another vaguely booze and su- South related book this week. Um, this Cannibal, is a southern a southern original. Cannibal, Cannibal. Um, written by Jay Young and Brian. Gen- Buc- yeah, Bucalato. Gen- uh, Jennifer Young and, oh, and, and Brian Bucalato. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, I think, and I think that's important to note that this is written, co-written by a woman. It does change things slightly because um, with art by Matthias Bagara. Yeah, again, art's great in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely super great art. Really, really awesome. Art. And uh, it's a zombie book, but a zombie book not like one you read before because in this one, the people that the zombies are just regular people who have feelings and hate that they have to eat flesh, but at the same time, they also have to eat flesh. Mm. Um, and uh, this uh, this has the first zombie come to this uh, uh, small town in Florida um, and uh, basically attack one of the staff of a, of a bar. And then the family that run the bar vow to track down this zombie. Um, but there's a really fucked up scene in this. This one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in which one of the main characters uh, basically drives to a strip club, then uh, puts a sack over the head of a girl mm-hmm. and holds a knife to her throat. Says, don't you say a goddamn word or I'll slit your fucking neck. Nice. Then uh, puts her in the, the back of his ute and drives to a cabin in the woods, tears open her shirt first, then takes the hood off. And then, and the, then the, a woman, the woman says, I didn't know you were picking me up tonight. <laughs> It's just, you know, all couples are different and as long as it's all consensual. I know. I, it was just a really fun... And, yeah, and I thought it was, it was written good- by... Because obviously it's, it's, it's written by Jay Young and Brian Bucolato. Yeah. But I thought at the end when I realized it was written by Jennifer Young, I was like, I guess that kind of changes because- my, 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 my thoughts on that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, like, I, I didn't hate that scene because... I think I think it's fine to show a couple who have like a slightly odd sex life, um, and also it was a a very um, balanced view of this character who's a stripper. You know, like I think that it's cool to see a sex worker not being demonized sure. immediately in um, in this book, and then you know the the man is planning to propose to her, and then comes to her cabin and sees it's been. Uh, 
she's been forcibly removed. So let's hope this isn't another fridging. Yeah, possibly could be. Possibly could be. But either way, I, I enjoyed this. Yeah, I'm going to read it to two of it. Again, again, we didn't really talk about the zombies much, but there are zombies. Yeah, I'm not I'm not that in, like, cannibalism is gross and icky and weird. Um, <laughs> so That is a brave view, Siobhan. <laughs> so I'm not that into that, but fine, great job. The final image comic we're going to talk about that came out, the final image number one, that is, with yes. more image coming out later. Uh, Romulus, number one, written by uh, Brian Hill and artist by Nelson Blake II. Uh, this uh, was maybe the most positive... Uh, uh, female character that we saw in Image this mm-hmm. week. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, although it's a hard one to explain. Yeah, it's sort of about a secret society, I suppose, of female assassin fighters who have got who have existed throughout history. Um, they are the fangs of the one true god, the wolf that saved mankind with her mother's milk. So it's some kind of weird wolf religion. Also. And so they exist in the time of the Romans, uh, the time of the Crusades, and uh, and then Nazi Germany as well. Yep. And and now, so you see like images of uh, of similarly dressed uh, uh, female assassins taking out Nazis and Romans and Christians and politicians. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it kind of gets convoluted. So the, the, this is told through. For the first half is told from the eyes of a of a mother and daughter, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know. So they keep responding to being like daughters of Romulus, but then also saying that that Romulus is responsible for all the bad stuff that's happening in the world too. Yeah, well, they're sort of like told that they are, um, like the the daughters of Romulus are just given tasks without any sort of like they're never given any reason. It's just like kill this person because I said so. And I think that this is about her rebelling against Romulus as sort of the last daughter. Yeah. Cool. She looks like Buffy and she does some really dynamic art and I'm very into it. This made me, this reminded me of Buffy. Right. In the best way. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a good review. Like imagine if Buffy was just about faith. <laughs> sure. I think that, I think that's that what. You're yeah. talking about Christianity, right? Yes. That's what I mean. <laughs> Um, are you going to continue reading Romulus? Hell yes, I am. I don't think I will. Really? Well, maybe I will, but you have a curse. Whenever I, I don't want to read something and you <laughs> say you're going to, I then read the second issue. And, and I forget it sucks, to read it. <laughs> and you haven't even read it. So maybe I will read it. <laughs> uh, there's the image books. We had one Archie book this week uh, with very uh, great uh, variant covers. I, yeah. bought, I got the uh, Francesca Francavilla one. Although I have to say... For the most part, when you get a Francesca Francavilla cover, obviously Archie is the exception. Hmm. It's kind of like, oh, it's a good cover with a shit comic inside, <laughs> yeah. especially when Dynamite are concerned. Absolutely. But uh, not in this case. Uh, Archie meets Ramones, number one. So this is just a um, this is just a one shot, I believe. It says yes. one number one on the front. Yeah, of course, definitely a one shot. Yeah. Uh, and it's written by uh, Alex Segura and Matt Rosenberg, who we've been really enjoying on Kingpin mm-hmm. and uh, Five Kids Walked Into a Bank, or whatever that one's called. Uh, art and letters by Giselle Lagache. Lagasse. Lagasse? I reckon. Okay, sweet. Um, who I really like. I can't remember what her webcomic was called, but I enjoyed that. Her name popped up somewhere else this week as well. She's very... Um, her vibe is very archy. You yep. know, like she does sort of big cartoony yep. manga influence um, kind of stuff and has a good eye for like youth fashion and stuff like that. So I'm into it. So in this book, Archie and uh, Veronica and Jughead and Betty and Reggie are all in a band competing, uh, the band are called the Archies, and they're at the Battle of the Bands, and they suck. 
They're terrible, guys. They are the worst band on the planet. But don't worry, Archie. Because here comes Sabrina in another incredibly beautiful depiction of her. Yeah. Um, what a cute is, is she Sabrina. The, is she the most gorgeous character in Archie comics like forever or is this just like my new weird re- realization? No, that's just your weird obsession now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was Jughead. That, the last issue was Jughead's fault. Yeah, they did. That was a great <laughs> issue. Um, but uh, she gives Archie a magical copy of uh, the Ramones' first album and uh, when he puts it on, to inspire himself before they do the, the final heat of the battle on the bands. It transports all members of his band uh, back to New York in 1976 where they bump into the Ramones and uh, end up playing in front of the Ramones and they suck there too. So the Ramones send them on this dumb scavenger hunt to relive a bunch of Ramones songs and lyrics. Um, they, like, they go to like Rockaway Beach and they go, go to Pet, Pet Cemetery. Cemetery. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, then when they come back to the Ramones, it's revealed that that was all just a joke that they thought would be funny. Yeah. And, uh, you know, do, then they end up playing. Do they end up sucking or do they end up staying? Like, they have to basically win a record. The, they have to win the record that Sabrina gave Archie in the beginning of the book to transport themselves back to their own time. Yeah. And become punks to do that. Yes. This was fucking great. And they do great. it. It's this great. It was great. great. This is great. Uh, it was it was real cheesy, but in a really great way. The Ramones references throughout it are awesome. Um, it didn't feel like, you know, sometimes you read like bands meeting comics and that kind of thing. It didn't feel crap like that. It was, Absolutely. it was cool. It was like, he, yeah. they got the right notes of, 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 of what the Ramones are like and put them in the Archie universe really well. Yeah. It was really funny and really sweet. And I hope, um, cause I know Giselle Lagasse has done a couple of Archie comics, but I hope, um, I mean, I would love to see her on Josie and the Pussycats or this Betty is, and Veronica. This is exactly what I wanted Josie and the Pussycats to look like. There were a couple of like really hilarious background gags that I feel the need to bring attention to. A, Midge is wearing a t-shirt that just says Midge on it, <laughs> <laughs> which I want. Um, I want a t-shirt that just says Siobhan on it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, there's also a moment where the Archies win the Battle of the Band in present day um, and Weatherby gives them the trophy and then in the background, Josie steals it from Weatherby. <laughs> Just like, how dare you? I love the uh, the young the young Weatherby. Oh, yeah. In the, in the, in the young crowd Weatherby the is 70s. at the Ramones concert and yeah. they're like, what? 
Yeah, so fun. What a fun issue. This is Good great. Job, guys. Yeah, well done uh, to uh, Matt Rosenberg. It's something, not, not a comic that I would expect him to write. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, over to uh, Aftershock. Um, Warren Ellis and Phil Hester teamed up for a comic called Shipwreck. I love um, Phil Hester. Phil Hester is very good. And this, the colors issue. on this one by um, Mark Engel- Englert was, were really great. I love mm-hmm. the texture within the color. It's awesome. Really great effects. And the inks by Eric Gapster also great. Yeah. Great creative team on this. Um, Warren Ellis doing a fantastic, confusing first issue mm-hmm. that I don't think was as confusing as what he's capable of. Like you compare this to Trees, number one, and this is a walk this in the This was park. much more readable yeah. than Trees. <laughs> trees ends up being fantastic. Yeah, well. Uh, but uh, this is about... I guess like a guy who's like interdimensionally shipwrecked mm. and uh, stuck in a, a town of, of horrors, mm-hmm. uh, and um, he's I guess he's you know trying trying to escape it. Um, it's vague. If, if that my yeah. review of it was vague, it, you know the comic is just as vague. There's um, some gruesome action in this there's, comic. Yeah, there's a lot of gore um, and some really horrifying moments. But yeah, I was I was I mean it's con- yeah it's very confusing. But I'm into it. There's a lot of eyeballs in it. Yeah. Oh, I eyeballs. love eyeballs. Hmm. You could say that about every single comic you read, though. Yeah, but this was a lot of dismembered eyeballs. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, the cover for the next one looks really good. I'm going to be keep reading in this comic because I've no, I've yeah. yet to read. Like I feel like Warren Ellis has really found his groove in the last few years. I mean, he's always been a fan, like, you know, for the brilliant. most part a fantastic yeah. writer. But I, you know, five ten years ago, you could pick up a comic and there'd be fifty fifty chance it wasn't for you. Mm. I've in the last three years or whatever reading Warren Ellis titles from his creator and stuff to the stuff he's been doing at Marvel to the James Bond run that we that we love so much. Yeah. I'm yet to read anything that I haven't liked, so I'm giving this one the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Stick with it. I am I am less all in on some of the more like I stopped reading trees and that other one that he brought out at the same time. In- injection? No, I don't read injection. Oh man, that one's so um, good. and like that blue rose one. There are a couple of confusing image ones that he released at the same time, which okay. I didn't manage to keep up with. But this, I'll definitely give at least another couple of issues because that was good fun. Big Trouble in Little China meets Escape from New York, the two franchises that starred Kurt Russell that you would never think would ever meet because there's no reason for them to meet. There's no reason for them to meet. But hey, Boom Studios have been putting out a um, Big Trouble in Little China comic. Are they also putting out an Escape from New York comic? Yep, yes they are. Okay. Thanks, um, Jim. Here they are together, um, written by Greg Pak with art, amazing art, amazing by Daniel art. Bayless. Remind me a lot of, um, who's the guy, Rob Gilroy, who does Chew. Um, but more cartoony. Uh, he, no, he's extremely cartoony. No, I know, cartoon. I was trying, I was I was trying say, to I was trying I guess to it's almost it. less cartoony. Like more sort of... Classic? Mm, I don't I'm trying to think of who else I can compare it to. I'm not doing a good job. Continue. Uh, great Colors as well by Triona Farrell. Um, this is uh, just like everything. I, mean, I haven't even seen Escape from New York in in a decade, and and um, I Big just Trouble watched in it last in week, China, so this was huge. <laughs> even 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 longer before that. Like these are movies I haven't watched since I was like a, a kid. Yeah, you know. Please, Dad, can I watch this on like Channel Ten on a Friday night? Uh, no. <laughs> but uh, this is yeah. Um, what's his name? Jack Burton and and uh, and Snake Plissken uh, meeting because of uh, weird dimension stuff doesn't really matter yeah we don't uh, it's not really it's kind of, it, it is explained why. but it doesn't really doesn't really matter doesn't matter uh, all you need to know is that jack burton is now in the escape from new york world and it's great it's so, so fun good guys so much better than you would expect greg pack does such an incredible job of getting the voice of both of those characters like really spot on yeah which definitely. is super fun and even like you know jack burton's accidental prone nature that yep. ends up being you know working well in his favor they they, they have a few of those moments in it and 
It's great. Yeah, it's really good. It's really funny. Um, Daniel Bayless does like uh, like incredible action scenes, incredible physical comedy, great um, characterization, facial expressions, having two characters that look like Kurt Russell while making them look not like making them distinct Absolutely. is amazing. Definitely. Uh, so it ends up, I, I didn't get this reference because so, I haven't seen the movies in a long time. Mm. Um, but it, it, apparently there's a, there's a, like a, basically the government has provisions to collect the nation's cultural treasures. And um, the only collection, the, the, the collection process was tragically limited. The only thing they managed to save was one of America's greatest cultural heroes, Blind Apple Mary. Who, I, is that something that they both listen to in both those movies? I don't think so. It's referenced in the beginning of the comic when um, uh, Jack Burton is listening to it in his truck and talking about how it's one of his favorite songs. But as far as I can remember from watching those movies recently, I don't think it's in there. Yeah, you know what? If anything, this book is just maybe go. I need to rewatch those movies ASAP, and that's yeah. that's what that, that's that's a good comic that, lets, yeah. that makes you want to go do that. Absolutely, uh, it, like this is as good as a crossover between two properties can be. I think. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, and I, I went into it going like, oh god, this is going to be great. But it, yeah. was, it was great. It was great. <laughs> uh, Angel City over from uh, Oni Press number one by Janet Harvey, Megan Levin. So oh, hey, it's you. They spelled it differently. Uh, uh, and Nick Filardi. And led it um, by Crank. Crank, <laughs> that's you. He's me. That's crazy. <laughs> you, you were named after that Jason Statham fr- franchise. Um, so this is a, uh, a, a like a roaring Hollywood uh, mystery. Yeah. Book. So set in the golden age of Hollywood, um, another sort of like people love detective stories from that period, myself included. And pretty much every single detective story uh, involves the death of a young would-be starlet. Yep. Uh, this one is found in a dumpster. Mm-hmm. I know we've talked about how bad it is when female characters die, but but this is like I mean, this is a this, this is how that's, how that's it was. What the back genre then. is exactly, <laughs> uh, but they subvert it because it looks like the main detective uh, trying to solve her murder is an old friend of hers, uh, Dottie, who uh, also came to Hollywood with dreams of stardom mm-hmm. and uh, ended up becoming uh, employed by a mobster. Because um, she's such a good fighter. Yes. And, uh, and so now she's an enforcer for the mob. Cool. And, and he's kind of like friendly, but not really with some crooked cops. At one point she says, I'd rather be an honest crook than a crooked cop. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, look, but they, this is like a, a great introduction to a story that I, I can't wait to read each month. So. Absolutely. Fun cartoony style. I really, really like the illustration. Um, I love this time period. You know, like this is a fun... Uh, sort of accompaniment to books like um, what was the Ed Brubaker one? Yeah, the Fade Out. Yeah, the Fade Out. Like this is obviously much more cartoony, but similar sort of um, genre yep. and era. And uh, L.A. Noir, the uh, the video game that was nowhere near as good as it should have been. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I love this time period. I love comic space in this time period, and, I, and I like that they're changing it up enough for it to be interesting. Absolutely, good fun, and it involves like real life characters, like. Um, I love that every book set in this period references Eddie Mannix, the the sort of Hollywood fixer guy. But yeah, real fun. Um, we're heading towards the dregs of the number ones. Unfortunately, <laughs> Dynamite put out most of them this week. Uh, homies, number one. Remember those dumb little action figures that were called Homies? Oh, is that what it is? They're like little collectible toys. I don't know if they were oh, very big well, that here, a lot. but they're you know they were they were a cultural phenomenon. Right. Uh, years and years and years ago. They certainly aren't anymore, which is why they're making a comic about it now. Yeah, obviously. Uh, written by David Gonzalez and Elliot Serrano. Art by Andrew Huerta. Should we just make this one quick? Yeah. Not, not for us. Not for us. Next. Nice. <laughs> uh, intertwined. Uh, a kung fu comic uh, set in Hong Kong, was it? I can't remember. Uh, but uh, basically... Uh, 
a guy wants to get out of his hometown. He's really good at a particular kind of kung fu. People in his family keep dying and he keeps getting in fights and he swears to his mother he will stop being in fights so he wants to move to New York mm-hmm. to spread the love of Kung Fu. Wing Chun, is that, isn't that what he does? Yeah. that's his that's, And he, what you think he wants to prove is the, is the, is the best form of Kung Fu. Uh, and on his way to the airport, he gets held up by a gang and they say, if you beat us, you get to go to New York. If you don't, you we own you. And uh, then they bring guns into it and then he suddenly wakes up and he's on a ship we're, you know, I'm not going to read this anymore. <laughs> I liked it. Liked I like it? Kung okay. Fu. I thought like it had a Kung Fu movie vibe. It's not the most like like sophisticated or finished book of all time. Like it looks like people who are fairly new to the game, but great, great news. This is also the only comic that will teach you how to say uh, dick face in Cantonese. Oh, Excellent. Perfect. How do you say that? Um, Lun Yang. Lun, you know what? I'm not going to be able to pronounce that, but now I know when <laughs> people say, say it to me in chat rooms. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, for a kung fu comic, there was surprisingly little kung fu in it. Yeah, look, it's not brilliant, but it's not the worst thing either. Yeah, all right, good point. Spirits <laughs> of kung fu stay alive and intertwined. Uh, Betty Boop, number one, written by Roger. Le- Here we go, Giselle Lagasse. Oh, there you go. She drew. This. Oh, she did the art on this. Brilliant, uh, written great by choice as well. Roger Langridge. Um, so this is a case of a fantastic creative team of mm-hmm. people that we both really like. Mm-hmm. I've uh, like Rod- Roger Langridge has written a fantastic Thor run. Mm-hmm. Um, he's written uh, that great Tale of Sand. Um, he was on the, um, the Muppets comics when they were really good. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the Jim Henson stuff. Mm. Um, did he, he is a he, he is he a big time. He's like, is he the most notable? New Zealand cartoonist. He's a New Zealand cartoonist. There He's you go. Kiwi. Uh, so I was very, I was like, you know, I don't really care about Betty Boop, but I'll read this because I really like the creative team. Mm. Unfortunately, I finished this book still not caring about Betty Boop. But, I liked it. Well, earlier in the episode, I said that there was a, a comic that I think would have worked really uh, well as an animated cartoon. Yes. That I don't think worked very well as a comic. There's a lot of uh, singing in this comic. Yeah, like, like a, a lot of singing in this comic, and it was beyond like you know Etrigan talking in rhyme for <laughs> for a couple of panels. This was half the comic was was in rhyme and song, yeah. and I just uh, yeah, I that is something that doesn't translate hugely well because like Betty Boop is a character who like sings in a thing, like sings in a club, and and she has a voice. She's yeah, a pitchy voice. Yeah. A lot of the scenes are like set in the club and with her sort of improvising songs about what's going on around her and stuff like that. Um, and it, it would have been, it would have been fun to see this animated, but I think Gisela Gus does a really, really good job. Um, the art is such incredible. a pretty book. Yeah, absolutely. I love the colors. I love the sort of palette makes it look like it's set in the past. I think she does a great cute Betty Boop. I think that there's some um, really fun, fun moments, but um, I understand also. Are you going to keep reading from. this? Yeah, I am. Okay, all right. I'm going to read the next couple of issues at least. It's one of those ones that you probably don't need to like read all the time. You can probably just pick up an issue here and there and um, see, yeah. some, see some classic cartooning. You know? Yeah, totally. I mean, look, maybe she's due for a comeback and maybe this is how it starts. But at the time being, I'm, I'm good. I don't, yeah. need, I don't need any boop in my life. It's not an essential, let's say that. Uh, from Black Mask Comics this week comes the comic Black, which has been written. It's a, Actually, a couple of these last few comics we've been talking about are all kickstarted. Mm. Oh, really? Um, including this one. Um, Kwanzaa Osayefo. Um is who wrote this one uh, and designs by Tim Smith three and Jamal Eigel uh, illustrated it. Sorry for butchering most of your names. Tim Smith three. I'm sure I nailed um, black is uh, basically a the concept is what if only black people got superpowers in the mm. world? And that concept is extremely appealing. I mean, mm. It's a really compelling idea. Very um, interesting at this like um, time and especially in America. Yep, absolutely. I don't know if I got what I was hoping to get out of this comic, out of this first issue. 
Um, but again, it is like, you know, it gives you just enough to kind of go, okay, I, I see what they're trying to do. And, yeah. and I'm definitely going to read more issues of this to see if it uh, is, is what I want to read. Absolutely. It's primarily like a setup issue. Definitely. Uh, but, um, the black a, and white art is really good. Yeah, it is. It is cool that it's a black and white um, comic. You don't get that super often these days. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Yeah. Uh, and you know, a black mask—probably the most diverse lineup of creators mm. putting out books at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. From uh, Kim and Kim to Four Kids Walk, Walk into a Bank and Jade Street Protection Services, mm-hmm. lots of cool stuff. Um, and it's good to see that coming over here to King's Comics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, finally, I read Trigger Man, uh, which too. is part of Hard Case Crime, um, being released through Titan Comics. There's another one coming out next week called Peepland, which is like a punk crime story that looks cool um this one is uh just like that classic era of uh of crime the 30s nice. there's still a prohibition this is another prohibition one i think so this is in arizona um and uh you see a a mob guy um head into a bar to collect um a bounty or go collect, collect money that's owed to his, his, his bosses in chicago um and then there's a big shootout and then the girl comes with him and then the girl gets naked nice <laughs> Um, this isn't the porno comic we're talking about later. No. no. Um, I kind of liked this. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. But, it, like, I mean, in a week of crime comics set in the past, this was probably, like, one of the weaker ones. Yeah, they're by, but, um, by the numbers. So it's by the numbers, but I kind of like those numbers. So, I, yeah, I, yeah I, I, <laughs> I, I, I could read more of this. Yeah, so. Yeah, I'll read more of that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, we should have kept count, but I think of the 24 brand new issues, we're reading, like, 14 new yeah, ones. I know. We'll see how many we get past issue three. Uh, but that is the end of our um, segment, our beloved <sighs> segment. First things first, all the number ones, all the, all the issues we're going to talk about now have numbers of one, uh, two or higher. Yeah, two or more. <laughs> how exciting. Uh, so now we play a game called um, Flip a Coin for DC or Marvel, except I lost my coin somewhere in amidst these 24 number ones. Uh, so Which, instead, we're just going to do the, 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 the lesser one. There's only two Marvel books. Let's talk about yeah, it Yeah, isn't that crazy? And nothing ties into Civil War. There was very little civil, sorry, for Civil War Two. So uh, very surprising to see that, yeah, nothing, no Civil War Two action this week. Um, all new Wolverine. Uh, we have a, a, a new story of of Laura uh, and um, what's her name? Um, Gabby. Gabby, uh, just getting away because she gets sent a uh, a vial of the trigger scent that makes her go crazy. Mm-hmm. What's the savage? Feral. Feral. Uh, all of, all of the above. Berserker. Berserker. That's what I was looking for. Thank there you. We go. Um, and uh, it opens with her, of Laura, waking up in a town and realizing she's slain everybody. Um, and then they end up driving to that. They, like, then it flashes back and, and Gabby and, and Laura escape to this town and um, someone releases trigger gas all over the town. Yes. I liked this issue a lot. It's nice that this um, story is now able to get back on track post the Civil War tie-in. Yep. So that's really fun. I think that this is a great jumping on point for people who are interested in the all-new Wolverine book and interested in Laura because this gives like a great um, background to her. Some of those, like character stuff that I knew vaguely but had never actually read. Um, so sort of the way that she was raised, her sort of mortal enemy, Kimura, the person, like the only person that she's scared of because she's the person who, you know, makes the trigger sent for her and forces her to kill her mother. And yeah, I've actually read, I've read those origin her. stories. I think it's like two, two miniseries written by Christos Gage, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read them ages ago. They're pretty good. Hmm. Uh, I've always liked X-23. Yeah, she's a, she's a good character. But this Tom Taylor run is, is great. Um, yep. and, uh, it's just, an, yeah, like you said, another great jumping on point. He, he's quite good at kind of every arc finishes and you can just jump back on and then he sums up enough. Yeah, it's absolutely. Great. Yeah. 
Um, really good Enemy fun. of the State 2, this is called, which is uh, hearkening back to a Mark Millar run of Wolverine, huh. in which uh, Wolverine dies and is brought back to life by the hand. Mm. So it looks like uh, everyone's going to come after Laura after what happens in this small town. Yeah, I'm excited by that. It's cool. Uh, Doctor Strange, number 12, written by Jason Aaron and Chris Pacello, as we predicted, is back on art duties, which means uh, a lot of crazy stuff that is kind of hard to follow at some point, but still some great images nonetheless. And probably the most straightforward to read. Sure. Of any of Panel the layout-wise, yeah. Doctor Strange, um, Pacello issues so far. I really liked this. Yeah, so you have a very underpowered Doctor Strange who has to get cabs everywhere instead of just making himself vanish and reappear and where he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a great, great, great thing to do to the character. Absolutely, it gives him, makes him way more relatable, gives mm-hmm. him way more humility, and and it means that he has has to use all these wacky relics that still have magic in it. At one point, he uses like bubble gum to freeze yep. one of his enemies, and then later he throws an apple, which then makes him grow a tree on it. I don't know, it's funny stuff. Yeah, it is funny. It is good. Uh, this is uh, sees the return of Mordo, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we also get another villain at the end. Uh, it's one that we saw recently in Squirrel Girl. Lord Nightmare. Nightmare. Is that what his name yeah. is? Yeah, is he Lord Nightmare or? Nightmare is just nightmare. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, it's uh, just fun. I like the onslaught of craziness that Jason Aaron is just putting, absolutely, putting and I like Strange this through. like sassy, depressed Doctor Strange as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and and the character of Zelda, who he's like his new kind of like librarian. Yep, is uh, is awesome. Yeah, you also absolutely. get Dormammu uh, in this as well. Yes, yeah, so very got spooky the... Dormammu. This is sh- also another good um, jumping on point. This is like Absolutely. technically issue 12, but there's a big thing on the top of it that says issue one of Blood in the Ether starts now. So, um, yeah, great jumping on point if you want to read some good Doctor Strange before the movie comes out. Did you read Scarlet Witch? This I week? did read Scarlet Witch, written by James Robinson this week with art by Layla Del Duca. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, is now following Wanda trying to find out about her mother and all this stuff, and she goes to a town and finds a priest that blah, 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 blah. Um, it's pretty good. Read it. Cool. I like it. Great I, I, it's rewriting like the whole history of the sort of Maximoff um, twins. And in the end of this issue, we see Wanda finding her, um, not her birth mother, but her adoptive mother, which right. is quite cool. So I, uh, I have all these issues at home and, mm. I, and I'm like, I'm going to read all those one day, but this week I gave up and I brought them all back to Kings. So I don't think I'm going to catch up on this. <laughs> it's not, it's not essential reading, but it's a good Scarlet Witch book. I, There's, I, I read, I read the issues with the artists that I love on it and I'll, I'll just continue doing that because most of the issues are pretty self-contained. Yeah. And that is one of the most fun things about it is it is a little bit like now it's starting to get a little bit more ongoing, but for a while there, it was just a sort of freak of the week, um, wander going around solving magical crimes, which was really cool. And I really loved over to DC now for my favorite. Like, I feel really ashamed that I didn't immediately click with the first issue of this. In fact, I, know, I, right? I criticized it and someone who listens to us um, at Sydney comic book guy mm. on Instagram commented on one of my posts and said, I can't believe you didn't like Flintstones. You're crazy. This is amazing. It's written by the same guys as Prez. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about the Flintstones number four, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you um, and I think far and away, this is just shows what an incredibly amazing comic this and and just baffling that it even exists comic i know it is like ah oh, like it is so much better than you think it's going to be so like the, whatever you think yeah. that flintstones comic is this is that but a million times better so when when dc announced that they were doing this you know this hanna barbera four issues sorry four different comics you mm-hmm. had scooby apocalypse mm-hmm. uh, wacky raceland um, future quest and uh, and the flintstones 
I, the Flintstones was like one of the more baffling titles. Like, what can you do with the Flintstones? Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was one you, of the ones that I was like, oh god, they're going to do a really tragic, embarrassing, updated version of the Flintstones. And they have, but it's the best. But it's the best. So the, the, when when the Flintstones came about in the fifties, it was you know a parody of of fifties day to day life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like even the movie, you know, however many years ago it was was still a parody of 50s day life, even yeah. though it was made in the 90s. This is the Flintstones as we know them, you know, like to look at or whatever, and, and they have the same names, but mm-hmm. the the parody is of now. Yeah. And and it's of really important issues. It's an extremely liberal book. Absolutely. Um, and it's baffling to me that DC are the ones putting this one out. I know. And that they're allowed to do this with with the Flintstones franchise. And I, look, I loved Prez. I said Prez is probably my favorite DC book of last year. Um, I think this is actually a more successful book um, in conveying, you know, all of these yeah. different kind of takes on, on society. And, and, uh, and I think it, it just does a better job yeah. overall. It's an incredibly like incisive, contemporary, relevant satire. And this deals with like... Um, marriage and gay marriage and all of these things in a really like just clever genius way yeah this I, is I, this is the best I, issue so yeah, far yeah this is this is such a from, good issue from guys from sight gags alone which we'll get into in a minute but mm-hmm. as a story so yeah I mean this is all about gay marriage except mm. in the in the stone age in the time of the Flintstones uh Every, the, the the concept of marriage is only just getting introduced. Yes. So everyone and it's is seen as completely unnatural and weird. I really like people holding up these big um these big these big uh stone signs that say like one man plus one woman equals two weird. But the best God one is God hates dads. God hates dads. <laughs> that's that's that was my like one of the biggest chuckles that didn't happen in the Squirrel Girl book this week. Yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. That's really funny. Um, but uh. So everyone in in uh, the Flintstones world, their, their idea of a relationship is something called the sex cave. Yeah. <laughs> and so the idea of of you know two partners staying together is is sickening to them. Yeah. And uh, there are actually Get two back characters. In the sex cave. There are two characters in this called Adam and Steve. Yeah, brilliant. And and they go to it like so the Flintstones attend attend like a marriage retreat and different couples at different stages of their to-be-wedded life are, mm-hmm. are there and you have like the older married couple who are saying don't do it and then you have like the younger couple who are thinking about marriage like you know tossing up the pros and cons and then you have okay i i welled up when <laughs> when fred flintstone tells wilma why he loves her and why he wants to be married to her it's, <laughs> it it's so was. good there's like, a moment where like fred flintstone like it like, sounds so stupid saying it but where fred, know, fred flintstone really honestly and emotionally talks about his like concerns about marriage and his fears that wilma will stop loving him and then there's a beautiful reconciliation at the end like what what is this book? What he says to me, marriage is about looking at yourself through someone else's eyes. I've had to look at myself through your eyes for fifteen years, and you never once made me feel small or ashamed. It's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. Like, I'm getting like, emotional <laughs> now. It's like, so good. What is this book? What like? What? How could it possibly be this good? Like, I know. And apparently, it's one of the like 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 the fact that Scooby Apocalypse sells. Way more than this book is a offensive. Travesty. This is, is offensive this is, to me. This is the most out of nowhere, forward thinking, incredible book. Yeah, and it's about the fucking Flintstones. And Steve <laughs> Pugh has got to be one of like the best uh, cartoonists. Anyway, such brilliant cartoon. This is this is his best work. Yeah, this is I so think. like yeah. so funny and so 
Pebbles wears yeah. a Nick Caveman T-shirt. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> and there's an ongoing story about like what the what all of the appliances do while Fred and Wilmer are away, and how they go like, oh, there's no humans here. Well, we can just like put down all of our things. <laughs> like, why am I still carrying all of this stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's, I love it. It's so good. Um, and they all, all, the, all the appliances re- resent Dino for just being their pet. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. being allowed to be an animal. Well, they all have to be like lamps and bowling balls. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is this is, I think this is like like one of my all time favorite comics of the year. Yeah, yeah, it really is. This like, is it's going to be hard to pick the funniest comic of the year. Um, this, yeah, yeah. If, if you like, if you aren't reading it, at least just pick up issue number four of the Flintstones <laughs> and just have this window into this crazy world that we're reading every now month. I'm just reading all of the signs on the front that say like a child deserves several fathers and about a dozen mothers. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the sex cave, everyone. Very funny. Oh, yep. Good job, guys. Really, really great. Is his name Hugh, Hugh Russell? Uh, it's Ben... Mark Russell. Mark, Mark Russell, Russell and Steve Hugh. Um, yeah, and, and again, Mark Russell is going to do a, uh, a backup in the Catwoman annual, which is going to conclude oh, cool. all of Prez. Great, great. This is news. another great, another great book. But uh, I think this is just this is real incredible work, and yeah. I, I'm so glad that DC kept him on after Press was cancelled. Absolutely, to do, do something this insanely forward thinking. Absolutely, please. How is the Flintstones so good? It's How's so baffling. The so good. Uh, you know what else is awesome this week was Superman number eight. Yes, please. Um, written by written by Pete, uh, what's his name, Pete Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, um, and art in this one by Doug Mankey. Um, this was slightly spoiled for me because I read a headline this week um, that said Superman pays homage to Darwin Cook. Yeah, and to be honest, if I'd read the cover or like even really looked at the cover more closely, I would have, I probably would have figured that out because it's called Escape from Dinosaur Island Part One. So in this book, which follows immediately after the um, brilliant one shot that we raved about, that uh, was issue seven of Superman, in which uh, the Kents go to the the county fair. Mm-hmm. Um, while he was there, um, Superman's son John Kent. Uh, got really inspired uh, by the science fair mm-hmm. and uh, is making a drone um, for his science class. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's doing, he's making it in the, in the Fortress of Solitude and a bunch of weird shit happens. And then suddenly uh, Superman, John Kent and Crypto. So obviously this is going to be a great story. Crypto yep. is in it. Um, get transported to an island with uh, old tanks and crazy prehistoric fish and dinosaurs on it. And uh, as you continue and you meet all these dead characters, you realize that this is the island that begins Darwin Cook's classic um, DC, The New Frontier. And uh, in, the, in, this, in the start of this book, we're introduced to the characters of the Losers, mm-hmm. who are a, uh, a, a group of... Um, group of soldiers who soldiers? end up on That's this right. dinosaur-infested island. And, and each, one by one, they all die. And so someone uh, engraves the story of the Losers onto, into a cave. Mm-hmm. And uh, this issue ends with them reading the story of the losers in the cave. And it's a tribute to Darwin Cook. Which is, yeah, like, great story, great art by Doug Mankey. Like, if you have to have someone taking over from um, Patrick Gleason for these issues, it's great that it's Doug Mankey because I think he yeah. he really nails it. Especially with the dinosaurs. I think this is one Absolutely. of the few DC books that um, has, like, a backup artist as good or, you know, the, the least... It's at least jarring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 a good merge of the two of them. Um, and this is a really lovely tribute to Darwin Cook. It's who amazing. Unfortunately, I mean, passed away earlier this year. Yeah, and we, and, you know, we 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 spent half an episode earlier in the year raving about DC: The New Frontier. Read it if you haven't. Probably my favorite comic of all time. It's and the I best. think this just the concept of this is really really strong. It's it's not it's it's just it's it's just being surrounded by his work instead of like trying to alter it in any way. Mm. It's you know. We, we did, We knew that all those characters died yeah. in it, and this is just them 
reading their story. Mm. I mean, so far, it's a, it's a two-parter. Yeah. I'm really excited to read issue two. Me too. Oh, issue nine, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, again, this uh, this is another fantastic book that DC are putting out, and another reason that I um I finished this week going maybe I'm more of a DC guy at the end, but uh, this year than I was a Marvel guy last year. Mm. Uh oh. Uh oh. Batman: The Night of the Monster Man, Part Four and Five, which was in Batman number eight and Nightwing number six, uh, written by Steve Orlando with Tom King on Batman and uh, Tim Seeley on Nightwing. Um, art by uh, Riley Rosmo on Batman, and uh, I really, really love the art again on Nightwing, um, which is by somebody else. Someone, Antonio. What do you think of this story? It's okay. <laughs> I think that the um, issues, I think that the Nightwing issues are actually much stronger than the, the Batman issues for some reason. The art on the Nightwing books is by Roge Antonio, um, who does an excellent. Excellent job, I think. I yeah, liked definitely. It. Very um, reminds me actually a little bit of Patrick Gleason's work on yeah Batman and Robin. Totally, which is not a bad thing at all. So uh, Hugo Strange, no relation to Doctor Strange, um, has uh, unleashed all of these big monsters uh, on Gotham, and uh, it's up to Batman to fight him alongside uh, Nightwing, Gotham Girl, Spoiler, Orphan, and Clayface. Clayface has some great moments in this. Mm-hmm. He uh, at one in, in Batman. The highlight of the Batman book is he forms armor around Batman, so he always has like this big suit um, that he tries to fight the monsters with. Big muddy suit. Uh, and cool. then uh, at the end of Nightwing, we learn that um, each of these, each of the people that have been used to create these monsters represent different elements of what makes up Batman. So, so it's like this is Hugo Strange's diagnosis for how to like cure Batman, and by cure, I. Th- think they mean kill yeah you've got um, to assume and we end nightwing number six with uh, an image of uh, hugo strange putting on a bat suit so that's fun yeah fun i'm like yeah like i mean this isn't by any means the greatest batman story of all time um and i'm excited for tom king's next run mm-hmm. because i am suicide cool and he is going to be fighting bane which yeah. is cool and, and, and it, lo- it looks like bane has a link to this story too, which they've quite cleverly linked all these, even though it's mm. a big crossover event, they've quite cleverly linked a lot of the different characters from earlier in the Batman run. And it looks like it will be ongoing as well, have re- repercussions, which is cool. Um, um, and this is obviously all going to lead up to a big smackdown between, um, Hugo Batman Strange and, and Hugo Strange, which is like, I like the bit at the end where, um, Nightwing's like, this is clearly a trap specifically for you. Don't do it. And Batman's like, well, I think that if he's gone to this much effort to fight Batman face-to-face, then he's earned it. So I'm going to go punch him in his face. Great. Yeah. I love that image of him saying, you know, Strange wants Batman face-to-face, and you can just see like this little white dot in his eyes. Yeah. So great. Very cool. And he's like gritting his teeth. Real good stuff. Very, um, yeah. Very good. I, actually, I've, I've, I've come to enjoy this, this little event more and more as we get more issues of it. So yeah. hopefully it has a nice ending. Absolutely. Um, I also read the second issue of Cyborg. Why? I don't know, because it made me sad. A, like, Kilgore. This is a very irritating, wordy version of Kilgore, where he starts reciting Shakespeare halfway through the issue, just to be like, look at how intelligent I am, which was dumb and annoying and not, (laughs) like, not of use. I actually think I stopped reading this a quarter of the way through it. Yeah, I I tapped out as the last issue. I really didn't like issue one. Just very disappointing, you know? It's like... like Cyborg deserves way better. He does. Cyborg is a great character who 
like they put they put so they seem to they push him so hard. Like this is a character who hasn't had his own series really that much in the past, but they insist on putting him in um, Justice League and stuff like that, and they're really pushing for him to be an A list character in the DCU. And then they just don't put appropriate talent behind him or give enough like time and effort into his solo books which i think is really disappointing because there's so many great creators who could do something really special with that agreed boo future quest number six we spoke about hannah barbera books that dc are putting out earlier and this was the one that i was most excited for i really liked issue one and then more and more i've not just come to enjoy this less and less yeah it's like a weird anthology book now um some of the arts by doc shana it's just it's too broad in the characters that it features and i don't know enough about all of these older Hanna-Barbera creations mm. to, to be enthralled by it at all. Um, this one has a backup story with the Impossibles. Um, My tour is in it again. Uh, Who yeah, are these people? Exactly. Uh, it just doesn't really, it doesn't introduce these characters very well. Mm. And uh, the splitting it up into two small stories doesn't work for me at all. So I think I'm just going to regretfully drop this one. Nice. Good choice. Um, the Sad. only other DC book that I also read is the um, final issue of Gail Simone's extremely messed up series, Clean Room. It's over. It's done. Yeah, done. Although, you know, like in sort of classic comic book fashion, there is room for this to, you know, go further if um, if they so felt like it. But yeah, great ending. Gail Simone's the best. Back on top. She has some horrifying thoughts in her brain. Um, <laughs> now that it's finished, it's worth picking up the first trade and hopefully the second trade will be out really soon. DC done, Marvel done, image time. Paper Girls, number 10. What a cover. Gee whiz, Cliff Chang. Yeah, what an issue too. Yeah. This is, um, I I, I always bring this up, but like for a while, I just, it baffles me for for a while. I wasn't sure about this book. I didn't know know. what they were trying to do. Blows my mind. Were you in the same boat or? Um, For the first couple of issues, I didn't love it as much as other things. I loved the first issue and then it kind of added the wackiness quite cra- quite quickly and I wasn't I thought it was, you know, going to be a short series or whatever but it looks yeah. like how long is this going to go for? I don't know actually. So this is the um end of this story arc, but it's obviously going to continue. Yeah, we meet we meet a kind of like god kind of Steve Jobs-ish character kind mm-hmm. of looking over it all from the future and he starts like kidnapping just every teenage girl he can find in, 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 this, in this time period. There's lots of great time travel. There's a reunion. Uh, there's there's a lot going on in this book. Like so much going on. This this is this would be easily the the hardest to describe to someone who's not reading it. Book. Yep. Um, that I'm reading at the moment. I think. But, but it's, it's just like you should you should be reading everything that Brian K. Vaughan puts out. Um, and this is no exception. Yeah. It's ex- it's very 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 good. Cliff Chang is doing some incredible work. The colors are so beautiful by Matt Wilson. It's such a great pink book too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the cast of characters, even even for different characters that we meet, you know, at different time periods, is it's really really great. And yeah, and it's fun having like, um, not that it's not lovely to have books with dudes in it, but to have all of the heroes of this book and all of the lead characters be women is really cool. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It's nice. It's and, nice and, and and some of the bad guys too. Yeah, some of the bad guys too. Um, I loved the uh, the old switcheroo at the beginning yeah. of the book. That made me feel nice and good inside. Yep. Um, yeah, Pepper Love Girls. It. It's great. Also a great letter section at the back um, and great extra material every yeah. every month. That's Absolutely. awesome. Um, I also read The Walking Dead, um, issue number 159, part three of The Whisperer War. And um, this saw the death, not of a character for once, Oh, nice. But of a very important object. 
and that's all I'm going to say. And the fact that there was any emotion attached to it at all yeah. says wonders about the creative team Is behind this one. Hat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. R.I.P. Carl's hat. I don't want to ruin it, but uh, it was. It, it's. It just says what a fantastic writer Robert Kirkman is and, and, and Charles Adlard as well at just putting this book together and for you to just be attached to everything, including inanimate objects. Mm, amazing. <laughs> um, when this event is over, because I know a lot of people still read um, Walking Dead month, month to month, um, but uh, Tom Rag, who is one of the hosts of um, the Australian Walking Dead podcast, mm-hmm. and I are going to sit down and talk about this event in depth for nice. a Serious Issues bonus episode. Oh, so that'll be in a couple of months' time. So if you're, if you're reading this every month and you want to talk about it with someone, we're here for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, last image comic for me was yep. Eclipse number two by Zach Kaplan and Giovanni Tapano, Chris Northrop. Um, this is uh, through Top Cow and uh, is all about the... Uh, kind of apocalyptic solar flare mm-hmm. in the future in which you can't go outside in the daytime because you'll melt. Yeah. Um, and this is a really great, great issue. It's a great series. It kind of came out of nowhere. I haven't really enjoyed much that Top Cow has done in the last last couple of years, but this is uh, this is my kind of series. I feel like I didn't read this. Damn. It was in my pile. You should read it. Um, oh, no, wait. Yes, I did. Yes, yeah. I did. I'm sorry. Yes, so this, good. The, good this, ending, this, too. This feels in a little bit of backstory of, of, of one of our main characters and kind of how he got to be on this quest that he's on at the moment, mm-hmm. why he's in the position of power that he's in, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, revealed more and more about our, our villain in this. It's very spooky. It's all very f- biblical. Yes, which is uh, real fun. Um I really, I, I really recommend this series. If you, yeah. if uh, the idea of a, a world in which everyone has to live underground during the daytime and come out at night, and then there's this curfew that begins at at, at five a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, appeals to you at all, you should absolutely be picking this one up. Eclipse. I hope, I hope it's a long series because yes, it's, it's a really inventive and cool world. Absolutely. Uh, over to IDW mm-hmm. um, for Revolution number two. Are you reading Revolution? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of crossovers, this is the nuttiest one yet. Transformers, G.I. Joe, Action Man, Mask, Micronauts, Rom. and Rom. Finally. Uh, I've given up on Rom and I've given up on... I've never really read Transformers and I've never really read G.I. Joe. I like the Action Man comic. For some reason, this is really fun and stupid and it's coming out rapidly. Yeah. Like issue three of this comes out next week. Nice. And issue one came out two weeks ago. So I just think this is how you do it. It's a five issue event. Mm-hmm. You just get it you get it done in a in, in couple months and that's that. Great. Um who that's knows if it, who knows if I'm gonna continue reading any of these things, but it's like real goofy. I don't even know who half the characters are or what they can do, but it's it's a big old action romp mm-hmm. and uh for a bunch of toys, you know, just being whacked together it's strangely fun. Yeah, nice. So uh yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm definitely enjoying this more than Civil War Two. Or um, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And uh, and Trad Moore does the covers on this too. So that's if only enough. he did the interiors. Look at this one. It's uh, the next issue is uh, is Rom playing with Transformer toys. Oh, fun. Yeah, really fun. And uh, every issue kind of sets up the different players in the game. And uh, this one we get introduced to Mask, and it looks like at the beginning we find out the role that the Micronauts are going to play. Cool. Yeah, really cool. Um, also through IDW this week was uh, Super Fuckers Forever by James Kachaka. Are you still enjoying this? Yeah, like, I mean, it's not... It's pretty it's dumb. Fine. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's like not... reading a webcomic, but in pager form. Absolutely. That is exactly the vibe that it has. I would feel a little bit like... I don't know. Maybe I don't know enough about James Kachaka to fully appreciate the jokes. Because right. it seems like his style is sort of beloved by people who really really love his work and i haven't read that much so i'm a little bit like this is fine 
you know like sure. it's it's not none of the jokes make me laugh as much as like anything in squirrel girl but sure. um you know it's still fine it's still funny it's i'm good. sure i'm sure you'll find ryan north is a big kachalka fan yeah i'm sure he is like definitely i know i'm wrong on this you know? <laughs> <laughs> um over to dynamite uh for james bond number 10 um the edelon you, you, you tapped out of this this is a this is I, a I'm really in trade yes yeah. great this is a really really great great story going on right now um it d- deals with uh is it m15 and m16 or they say m15 mi5 mi5 that's how it is isn't it i'm a, I'm a turkey so a turkey. this is uh, <laughs> uh mi5 and that's the one that james bond is on right uh, yes <laughs> so mi6 has told um MI5 that then because they're an international operation they can't use weapons when they're in the UK right, right, right. except now a threat threatens to take out MI5 in the UK and they don't have the weapons to protect themselves that's a great idea <laughs> yeah it's really is cool is it still Warren Ellis yes awesome and, um, and brilliant brilliant art by Ian Masters as well um, I really hope this continues on for long I know that next week we get a new James Bond book called James Bond Hammerhead, yeah. which is written by Andy Diggle. Um, and uh, I love Andy Diggle, sure, but yeah. I really, really hope that Warren Ellis and Ian Masters stay working on James Bond for a while because this is one of my favorite ongoings. Yeah, it is good fun. Um, boom, this week. Oh, I missed that on IDW book. Uh, Jack Boot and Iron Heel by Max, written and drawn by Max Milgate. This is the weird soccer World War Two zombie comic. What? <laughs> it's so good. And I, I just like, I, if you're reading this, please let us know. Serious issues at kingscomics.com. This is like the weirdest surprise good comic. Yeah. Every time you show me panels from it, I'm like, wow, that actually looks amazing. So at one point in this comic, a Lovecraftian monster that is holding from a massive long tendril in front of him, a Nazi soldier who is doing the Nazi salute to his commanding officer in his like on his balcony on top of a frozen lake. Awesome. That's, it's like one of the best pages I've seen all year. Uh, this is a, 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 pretty, a really fun story with beautiful art. Um, you, should be, you should be reading this. Yeah, Jack Boot cool. and Iron Heel. It's really great. I'll let you know when the trade comes out if you, are, if you aren't able to track the first few issues down. Yeah, yes, please. Um, an IDW book that I read that I don't think you did was I read the second issue of Jim Thompson's The Killer Inside Me, which is the um, – what's it called? Adaptation mm-hmm. of the um, the classic novel written by Devin Faraci, who writes for um, Birth, Death movies, stuff yep. like that, with art by Vic Mel Melhotra. Um, I I really like this. Like it's a heavy it's a heavy read. Like it's not a fun read because the lead character is like the killer inside him is inside him, and he <laughs> kills some people in some fairly graphic and horrible ways. Um, but it's very compelling and it's very cool to see him sort of getting himself like things are getting going from bad for worse for this guy and for entirely good reason. And he's sort of implicating himself in all these murders and just watching him like try and get away with things. And then the people who know and all of the sort of plot twists coming together. Um, it's very, it's very good. It's very clever. And I like it a lot. And I think Devin Faraci is, um, getting better with each issue. Cool. So it's a yeah, it's a it's a rough one, but um, worth tracking down, I reckon. Did you read Goldie Vance issue six? Oh, good. I, I didn't see your Okay, sweet. Uh, this uh, continues the story of uh, Goldie trying to track down what happened to the astronaut that they found uh, washed up on the beach, um, and her best friend has kind of taken off with the astronaut mm-hmm. in her car. She didn't even know that she could drive. Yes. Uh, so you have a lot of uh, mysteries being being attempted to be solved in this book, and uh, a lot of cool team ups between. Uh, her co-employee at the hotel and her best friend slash love interest at the record store. 
Um, yeah, I don't know much more I'd need to say about this. This is just it's a so great good, book. It's so good, guys. Brittany Williams is like the... the is the it, best cartoonist. She's is, so funny. Is it trade out yet of the first the first no, arc? No, no, first trade isn't out yet. But hopefully, that's, really that's soon. a that's a Chris, that's a Christmas present. That's a Christmas present and a half. Sure, I'll say. Um, but yeah, Boombox probably the best thing Boombox are putting out. Hope Larson, Brittany Williams, and Sarah Stern. Um, great characters, great setting, great story, great art, great colors. Great. That's all I great to job. Say about this. Really great. I'm Read looking it, forward to seeing where this story goes and I'm just I, I really hope this is around for a long time yeah me too I feel like it's important to say that about certain comics because sometimes things just work and you want them around for a long while yep add it to your pull list guys definitely add this one Captain Kid number two by Mark Wade, Tom Payer and Wilfredo Torres uh, over at Aftershock we really enjoyed issue one Siobhan issue two lost me a little bit it was way more confusing than I thought it needed to be yeah yeah already this is like I mean this is a sort of um subversion of that classic like Captain Marvel and I mean the DC Captain Marvel where you know there's a kid who says Shazam and turns into an adult this is an old guy who visualizes a symbol and turns into a teen super hunk um yeah this was already confusing because it's got a number of levels of time travel um like very paper girls in that there's older versions of um, a character coming back and sort of telling the younger versions what to do there's all kinds of crazy technology like a time bandage which looks like a big band-aid and they used to fix a bridge and things like that so it is it and is there's already a lot of difficult confusing. alter egos uh, relationships to follow as well yeah there's a lot going on in this comic i don't know if this is a good one to read month to month no this might be a better read um hopefully this will be a better read in trade but i'm gonna stick with it because i think it is pretty fun yeah i mean it's very rare that mark wade will do you wrong no exactly uh cool finally for me <sighs> is another drop and, oh no! And I raved about this when I first started reading it. The Adventures of Archer and Armstrong by Raphael Roberts, uh, Mike Norton and David Lafuente. Uh, it was really great, the first four issues of this. And now we're still in this fucking... Well, they just finished this big dumb clown story. And I just... I don't <laughs> bad care. Bad time to be doing a clown story too. <laughs> kind of always bad time to be doing a clown <laughs> story. Uh, yeah, I'm just... Um, just not, not enjoying this anymore. And so I, I went from being like, oh my God, I can't wait to read more and more Valiant stuff. And mm. now I don't think I'm reading any Valiant comics. I know, it's disappointing, right? But I mean, Valiant are doing a whole series of cat cosplay variants. So time to get into Valiant again, guys. And get into cats. And get into cats and cosplay. Actually, the, la- the last comic, we-, we teased it at the beginning. Oh, yeah. You guys, you've been listening. It's been a very long, I don't think this is going to be our longest episode, but it's going to be damn near close. Uh, we, at the beginning of the episode, we promised that we were going to review a porno comic. Time for what you're all here for. So this is a brand new one that came out through Fanographics. It's called Garden of the Flesh. Nice. And it's written and drawn by Gilbert Hernandez, um, who uh, is best known for his work on Love and Rockets, which is an uh, ongoing comic that he writes with his brother. Mm-hmm. Has done since the 80s. Jamie Hernandez is my preferred of the Hernandez brothers, but I still love the Palomar storyline mm-hmm. in the Love and Rockets, which is written by Gilbert Hernandez. Gilbert Hernandez is well known for his love of ginormous breasts. So yeah, Luba is a, is a character in his, uh, his stories in Love and Rockets who has huge boobs. And when I used to come to King's Comics when I was a kid, I would always buy Dan Clow's books and mm-hmm. and, uh, and Robert Crumb books, and I was always like, "Whoa, what's up with the big <laughs> boob books?" <laughs> but I doubt anyone who actually reads Love and Rockets does so because of those big old because of the big cartoony tits. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know, there's a, there's there is depth of character. There's there's an incredible storyline and. It's, it's a wonderful read, Love and Rockets. And Gilbert Hernandez has done lots of other great things, including the last uh, book that Darwin Cook ever worked on mm-hmm. uh, last year at Vertigo. Um, 
But uh, this is so. This is described as <clears throat> warning: adults only. Nice. Beginning with Adam Eve and continuing through the story of Noah's Ark, Garden of the Flesh depicts explicit sexual content as legendary cartoonist Gilbert Hernandez finds unexpected and uninhibited pleasure in these biblical, biblical tales of original sin. Nice. <clears throat> so this is like a, what do you call it? Like those old comics that were written um, of like, you know, you would, you would take like a famous character and you would draw like a pornographic. Oh, Tijuana Bible. Tijuana. It almost felt like a reading a Tijuana Bible. Yeah. Of the Bible. That's a great comparison because this is like some Bible stories with like way more jizz. <laughs> <laughs> so the first four pages uh, depict uh, the sun coming up over, over the earth and some trees growing and then like the, the earth moving. Mm-hmm. And those are the only four pages that I could put up on Facebook. Nice. As soon as you turn the page, there's a big old boner. Yeah. And uh, like, we're, we're introduced to... Uh, like the Adam fir- grows from the, um, from the earth boner first. Yeah. <laughs> and if only I'd been able to read this Bible. From, from, from then on, at that point onwards, there's not, I don't think there's any page that doesn't have a boob or a boner or some jizz all over it. Yeah. It's um, great. It's so, a great read, yeah, guys. You have you have uh, Adam on his own, lonely, masturbating. Yep. Jizz is on his chest or yep. ribs. And then from that, Eve is born. Great. Uh, then they have sex a lot. Yep. And um, then... Um, then she's the, tempted by the devil. Yeah, so Eve has sex with the devil. And um, then they eat apples and get cast <laughs> out of the Garden of Eden and have shame. Then they raise a family and... Cain kills Abel. Yep. And then, oh, so there's there is a, there's a couple there's, of there's, there's a couple a little, of bonerless pages, but <laughs> there's, there's, g- there's also pages. a lot of like Abel having sex with his wife, which yeah. isn't necessarily narratively like indicated. There's a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, towards really the end, it's like, yeah, there's like there's just a whole bunch of just it's a lot. Noah's wife. Yeah. Like has never in the Bible did it say that Noah's wife had such ginormous boobs. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 what do you think he's trying to say with this book? I honestly don't know. I don't know what he's trying to say. Maybe that people in the Bible had sex too. <laughs> That's a good way. I don't to know take because it. yeah. it's not like I like like I liked it. It was good. Gilbert Hernandez is like obviously a completely brilliant cartoonist. And if you're going to watch, you know, if you're going to read some weird pornographic Bible stories, you might as well read his. Yeah, because I mean, you could read. Uh, there's a lot of pornographic Bible stories, really, in comic version. Um, Robert Crumb got in lots of trouble because of his Genesis that came out, which was just a very explicit version um, retelling of Genesis. Chester um, Brown had a book earlier this year, which was all about sort of um, the stories about uh, prostitution in mm-hmm. the Bible, because that's his whole deal. Sure. Um, so this is just another one like that. I don't know if I don't know what Gilbert Hernandez is trying to say with it. I think it's just. I think he probably just wanted to draw a bunch of biblical porn. Yeah, uh, is, is it kind of saying that, like, you know, the the, the eternal drive of human humanity is sex? Could be entirely possible. That sure. seems to be if there is a message to be taken from it. That's the only one I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, like if you if that sounds like it's your kind of thing, it's a it's a good one. Yeah, it's uh it's it's all nicely boarded up at uh at King's, so you can't look at the pages in store. Yes. That's important. <laughs> Don't do that, <laughs> please. Uh, but yeah, if, if, if you're into pornographic comics, this one's for you. Absolutely. So that is our extremely long line of comics that we read this this week. 
And uh, to let you know some ones that you, we should pick up next week, uh, we've got a whole bunch of new number ones and some endings from Marvel. Um, we've got the end of Darth Vader, the Kieran Gillen run, and the end of Howard the Duck, the Chip Zdarsky run. Nice. Um, we've got some new beginnings from Marvel in Clone Conspiracy, which is a big Spider-Man event for the year. Um, we've got uh, the mo- new Mosaic, which is the brand new Inhuman. He's getting his own sto- uh, series. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Image, we have uh, Mark Millar and um, what's his name who did Batman? That could be literally anyone. As in the guy, the artist on, on, on Scott Snyder's Batman run, Greg. Capullo. Greg Capullo. Oh, yes. This is the one about reborn. the old lady who is reborn as a sexy young lady in hell. Cool. Lame. Is there Bible stories in there? <laughs> I wish. Um, Another cool image thing that's coming out just quickly is the deluxe um, hardcover edition of The Fade Out, which we mentioned before, which was oh, cool. Ed Rebecca's brilliant series. And Sean Phillips. Yeah. Yep. Um, Lost Boys, another 80s franchise, gets its own comic series next week. Oh, thank goodness. And uh, Andy Diggle's James Bond Hammerhead, number one, comes out. We also get Great Lakes Avengers, number one, too, which is a... Uh, a comedy book about the like almost like below Z list characters that uh, reform the Great Lakes Avengers purely because Squirrel Girl is popular again. Nice, awesome. Uh, yeah, so that Great sounds concept. like it could be really fun. Um, there will also be the um, another one that we mentioned before, the hardcover of Superman American Alien, which is Max Landis's very very good Superman um, book, is coming out. So that that's a good one to pick up, and it's only thirty six ninety five. That's pick it up, good. guys. Pick it up. Absolutely, good one for Christmas present for sure. For sure. Uh, cool. That is it for serious issues. We've got some bonus episodes that we're recording in the next couple of weeks that are going to come to you, which is very exciting. Excellent. And uh, again, you can find everything that we've done in the past on uh, iTunes. Just look up serious issues and uh, leave us a nice review while you're there. Please do. Uh, we're on Tumblr, seriousissues.tumblr. Oh, wait, Tumblr, whatever it is. Serious- you know, just is Google it. it. Guys, just <laughs> I, sh- I should us. know it. <laughs> um, a couple of things that I'll just mention. Seriousissues.tumblr.com. <laughs> a couple of things that I'll just mention quickly. Um, next, Queens of Kings, our women's only uh, comic book Reading Club is um, happening on October the 23rd this month. We're going to be talking about Mad Love. So come and tell me why I should like Harley Quinn. That's the, like that's my favorite Harley Quinn book. Yeah. Slash the only one I like. So <laughs> explain to me why I should like other books by her. Also, um, I can't say anything too official just yet, but um, October 21st has been named by the UN as um, official Wonder Woman Day. Oh. Huge. By the UN. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Um, big deal. So we're all going to be having um, some fun things at King's on the day. So please uh, keep an eye on our Facebook page. So I guess we should do a, a Wonder Woman bonus episode well, as probably. well. Probably. That'll, yeah. be, that'll be a bit shorter than the, one, the Batman episode, unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, you can find us online on twitter.com slash serious underscore underscore issues or facebook.com slash serious issues podcasts. Individually, we are on there as Siobhan CBG and Levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. And, of course, you can email us and uh, let, let us know what you'd like us to talk about on bonus episodes or just ask us some questions that we can answer on the show, seriousissues at kingscomics.com. Absolutely. Th- thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. Until next week. Stay serious. <laughs> hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.